Hello and welcome to episode 484 of the League House Podcast. I'm your host, Nick the King Cooper. Joining me is Aiden Frost Rockarts. Hey, what's good? And Colton Blue Basket Sweat. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, my dudes. All right, we got a big jam-packed show, so let's get right into it. We got um, a little bit of League House news. We got a bunch of new news, including the reveal of everyone's favorite whimsical doctor. Uh, we've got a couple of uh, stories. We've got some guaranteed uh, guffaws where we're, we're going to be ta- talking about col- um, coaching, not Colton. Uh, we're going to we talk do... about me and how I need coaching. <laughs> we'll talk about um, competitive league. Uh, the MSA finals happened. We'll uh, do roundtable from last week and a new roundtable from this week. And we'll close it out with a lot of emails. Aiden, how was your week? Mike was good. Uh, a fair bit of League of Legends, actually. A uh, surprising Ooh. amount. Uh, to be honest, uh, I've I was grinding some league. I was hard stuck D four on my one account, like hard stuck. I couldn't mm-hmm. get out. Um, and then I just started winning. I just decided, hey, what about winning? Uh, and I climbed all the <laughs> way up to like ninety points D four on that account. And now I've been struggling to get past the the hump of D four D three. But it's have weird. You like some just games will winning have some more. Yeah, exactly. Some games I'll have like D two, like sorry, not D two games. Some games I'll have like D four, Plat one, even Plat two, like players in my game. Ooh. And then some games I'll just be in like full on Smurf queue. <laughs> Interesting. Because I have like a sixty percent win rate on that account, but it's like so strange. Because like obviously my MMR should be good because I have a sixty percent win rate over hundred games or whatever. Yeah. Um, I sometimes am playing. I'm sometimes laning against D two players. Sometimes I'm laning against plat two players like actual plat two players and then sometimes i'm in smurf queue it seems like it's kind of random maybe based on how many people are playing the game or whatever but it's very strange um but oh well it's it's still good i I, i'm enjoying the game i still think tom kench is a lot of fun i do worry myself of how much the game is going to go up and down in enjoyment if my character gets reworked and i don't enjoy him so yeah we're gonna hopefully not think about that because that could be a, a little rough a little rough patch might take a little break from the game at that point um <laughs> imagine like like one tricking a character for like seven eight years and then they rework mordekaiser yeah. <laughs> and you have to become a regular mid main <laughs> true yeah, but either way, I, um, I've had a good week playing League. I've streamed a little bit, uh, having a lot of fun streaming uh, right now. Streaming the show on my Twitch, twitch.tv slash... Uh, twitch. Yeah, that's how you do it. <laughs> twitch.tv slash League Gas Frost. He's yeah, a professional. I'm, I'm a professional. Um, but it's it's been fun. I think people have been enjoying the streams. I try to be pretty educational when I like play Tom Kench. It is educational to Tom Kench more than top lane, but uh, we usually get a fair bit of like good stuff going. Um I think that should be about it, though. I've just been enjoying playing League. Uh, Kennedy and I have watched uh, some Christmas movies this week, as you do in May. Mm-hmm. Um, we course. watched mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. the new animated Grinch from like la- or from like a year or two ago, which is actually kind of pog, to be honest. Kind of sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we watched um, uh, Jim Carrey's uh, Christmas uh, Christmas Carol today. <laughs> oh, that was pretty good. Yeah, it was, it was fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know why we're watching Christmas movies, but it's been pretty fun. So nice. What about you, Colton? Um, yeah, so I have not really been playing much League. I think I might have played one or two games of TFT since the last show. Uh, I bought a condo and have been doing a lot of remodeling, so that is where all of my free time and money is going currently. Uh, doing a lot of work, but looking forward to getting it done and moving in and, 
it's uh, it's going to be a, a lot of labor, but I think it'll be worth it in the end of it. Uh, still still not Diamond, but haven't played any solo queue this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's about it for me. That's really been just, again, absorbing all of my time. So I'll, I'll hand it over to Nick. Yo, what you've uh, been up to? Not a lot of League as well. Um, most of my time has been spent on Sekiro. I've been enjoying that game a lot. Uh, it's very hard. But I feel like I've learned how to parry things and deflect. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause <laughs> I don't think you beat guardian ape without learning how to deflect. So um, yeah. I did that. It was super fun. Uh, I've been progressing through that. I think the only fight that I truly haven't like enjoyed at all has been the headless fights. Um, just because you have to manage three items there. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like I'm with the terror buildup. It feels like I'm being punished for deflecting. Yeah. Uh, so that's a little frustrating, but there's only like five of them, I think, in the entire game. Yeah. Um, and I think they're entirely optional, so not a big deal at all. Yeah. Um, otherwise, super sick game. It's fucking hard, but really, really fun. Um, I think that's about it for me. Yeah, um, nothing too crazy. Yeah, nothing too crazy. Let's get on with the show. We've got two new patrons. Shout out to Ebra Wayne and Dippy. Thank you guys for supporting us. We appreciate it a bunch. Uh, Aiden, do you have any Lee cast news? Uh, nothing crazy. Uh, at some point this week, we are going to record our um, page, mm-hmm. a new patron episode. Uh, I will be doing my uh, putting together the plays video sometime this week. I'll probably stream looking over all the plays, maybe like Friday or something on my stream, and then I'll edit it on the weekend. Um, obviously, we're going to do our profile reviews, have those done for the end of the month. So if you are a $5 patron, you will get that. So make sure to check our Google Sheets document. Um, other than that, though, just nothing nothing too crazy. Just more uh, lead cast content coming your way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's get into this uh, this new news because um, we got a lot of it. So Dr. Mano has been revealed. There's a video on YouTube. You can check it out. Um, more importantly, for our purposes, his abilities have been revealed. So let's go through that really quick. His passive is called Goes Where He Pleases. He resists the next immobilizing effect. That Hang on one second. Colton, have you seen this yet? Have you seen I any have. of this? Oh, okay. I have. Okay. Um, Dr. Mono resists the next immobilizing effect that hits him, instead losing current health and dropping a chemical canister nearby. He can pick it up by walking over it, restoring a portion of his maximum health and reducing his passive's cooldown. Enemies moving over the canister destroy it. Additionally, he also has increased health regen based on his maximum health. Um, so the numbers are out for this, and this is kind of the only ability that I want to talk about numbers-wise. numbers, numbers wise. Mm-hmm. Um, Because I think it's the only one that's going to be truly problematic. Uh, first of all, his his passive health regen is 2% every 5 seconds, um, which is a lot. Um, I think at 4... 2% ca- of his max health? Every 5 seconds, yeah. Okay. Um, which, you know, might be pretty close to what he has now. I can't remember. Um... But, I mean, 2% of 4,000 every 5 seconds is, I think, 16 a second. Uh, and that's before, like, Spirit Visage or anything additional on top of that. So, it's a, it's a lot. Um, otherwise, the immobilizing effect um, kind of immunity is a 45 to 15 second cooldown from 1 to 16. And picking up the canister reduces the cooldown by 15 seconds. So, at level oh. 1, you can get the cooldown down to 30 seconds. Um, and then at level 16, you get the cooldown down to zero seconds. If you yeah, pick it you up, just, when you pick up the canister, it's back up. Yeah. 
Um, this the I guess we can come back to our thoughts after we we talk about all of the abilities. But this mm. is the only thing that I think is truly problematic with the character, or potentially problematic. Um, his Q is infected bone saw. He throws an infected bone saw, dealing magic damage to the first enemy hit based on their current health and slowing them. Uh, unfortunately, no pulling out of the uh, the cleavers here. Um, now I heard that Aiden is the Aiden felt that this ability is the only problematic one of this set because I thought it was his E and Aiden thought it was his Q. Did I say just, that? No, I'm just fucking with you. Okay, I was gonna <laughs> say I'm like I'm like it's so. Boring. I was I was making a bad joke that we all felt a different ability. <laughs> I, see. I see. I see. I see. Um, his W is Heart Zapper. He electrocutes himself for a few seconds, dealing persistent magic damage to nearby enemies and storing a portion of the damage he takes as gray health. At the end of the duration, he heals a burst. He deals a burst of magic damage to nearby enemies and heals his gray health if an enemy is hit. The heal is reduced if only minions or monsters are hit. He can recast it to end its effects early. Um, his E is Blunt Force Trauma. Passively, he has bonus attack damage increased by uh, based on his max of missing health. On active, uh, he slams his medical bag into an enemy, dealing physical damage based on his maximum or his missing health. Uh, if the enemy dies, they are swatted away, dealing this ability's minimum damage to enemies they pass through. Um, so it, this is sort of like a uh, um, sort of like an auto attack based scion e, and it must but it kill only the only kicks them if it kills. Them. Yeah, it must kill the unit to 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 kick him away. Yeah. Um, and then his ultimate is maximum dosage. Uh, Dr. Mono pumps himself full of chemicals, instantly healing a percent of his missing health. He then heals a portion of his maximum health over a long duration, gaining bonus move speed and attack damage while he's healing. Um, so very, very similar to the old Dr. Mundo, except instead of costing health to activate, um, it just instantly heals you for your missing health, uh, and then heals you for your maximum health afterwards. Um, so sort of the same idea that you want to ult ideally at pretty low health to get the, the most use out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, but instead of a quick chunk, it's a quick burst of healing at the start. Exactly. Yeah. A little bit less punishing for the Mundo player, but provides sort of the same idea. Um, so yeah, pretty cool. Sorry. Get a lot of health. back. Yeah. Uh, and then of course the skins are going to be coming out as well. Uh, very special shout out to, uh, I think Mr. Mundoverse and uh, Corporate Mundo. They both look fantastic. Um, but yeah, a lot of people are a little bit disappointed that this character kind of is Mundo modernized, I'll say, because I think that's a, a, a good description of this new character. Um, mm -hmm. How do you guys feel about it? Um, I think it's like, it's very similar to the Pantheon rework compared to other reworks that we've seen. Absolutely. Where it's more mm -hmm. like a, yeah, as you said, a modernization of his kit rather than a full-blown rework. Like, the reality is, is the passive, I guess, the, the canister mechanic's pretty new, but the Q is pretty similar. Um, the, I guess the E is, like, completely different. Um, I guess I the mean, E has... in a way. It's like, it, I don't so know. So it went from big auto attack to, like, potentially kick auto attack. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the passive it, AD, yeah. like, for missing health is really, really nice um, for the character as well. I, I guess, like, the main thing is it, it's not as crazy as we thought it could have been, um, which I don't think is a bad thing. I just think it's um, way more in line with old Mundo, which sometimes a lot of the reworks mm. have, like, changed shit up, like, enough that we were like, holy fuck, this is crazy. Like, look at um, uh, 
fiddlesticks. Like, I guess fiddlesticks is a pretty bad example too, because he still isn't as essence the same character. Scion's a great example though, uh, mm-hmm. where he just isn't the same character in the fucking slightest. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. Scion's a good example. I think Galio is another really good example, where mm-hmm. like it just changed how you play him entirely. And like this, it, yeah, it's Mundo's the same guy. It's he's just been modernized and hopefully a little bit better feeling to play as and against. I like. I think it looks fine. I was hoping for more, but I think that this is like a quality modernization of a character. When I was hoping for like a, a full rework. Yeah, I think yeah. that's how a lot of people feel as well. Um, I don't necessarily feel that way, but I also didn't feel a crazily attached to the character as a whole, so I don't you know, necessarily care what comes of it. Um, mm-hmm. But I really like it. I think it sort of keeps his theme as like an anti-CC tank, um, while also allowing for a little bit more counterplay rather than my character has tenacity, a lot of it. Good luck. Yeah, I, I pulled up on stream the, like, concepts for the Mundo rework, the concept art, when we first saw that dev vlog, like, a year ago. And it's, like, a lot of these are so fucking crazy that what we ended up with just feels not as insane, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, once again, isn't a bad thing. But, like, I, I pulled up the concept art where it's, like, G is literally, he's a fucking hand. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, it maybe, like, I this didn't allow me to, like... Uh, contain my expectations properly like st- seeing stuff like this um, but I don't know it feels very average which isn't necessarily a bad thing it's just he, he needed a modernization at the very least and he's gonna at least get that which I think is good mm-hmm. yeah I, I think that that's really the thing is that like the idea of rework versus modernization isn't really anything that's ever been like pitched or discussed and it, and that's just kind of what it feels like here where it's like Hey, we we sanded over the rough spots of Mundo, but he's essentially the same character, which, again, they've done in plenty of other reworks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think particularly for me, like, the time from when it was announced to now, as well as, like, that concept art, you know, I was expecting them to have made big changes and, mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, Mundo's going to do some, like, crazy weird shit, and it's, like, no, he still throws cleavers, and he, he runs at you, and, like, instead of burning you, now he shocks you, and instead of slapping you once really hard, he he slaps you once really hard, but then keeps AD for a little bit. Like, again, it's good, and they've, they've I think, he's in a better spot than he was. I was just hoping for, like, out-of-left-field crazy Mundo shit. Yeah, I agree. Fair enough. Um, cool. Awesome. So let's move on to. I guess we'll do the patch note then. Eleven, eleven. Yeah. Uh, um. Just, just one little thing that was like. Sure. Uh, I, I don't think it's worth like really talking about for long. Is they put out this video called uh, "League Balance for Bronzies." Oh, I forgot. Um, yeah. I just wanted to quickly just talk about it because it's interesting because they talk about kind of the way that they look at balance like hey we look at every character we make sure uh we do routine routine checkups on them make sure no one's kind of out of line if they're too strong we like nerf them if they're too weak we buff them sort of thing um Mm -hmm. which i think a lot of people are like oh this is not true because obviously they don't look at characters like zillion who hasn't received a change to him in 
since what season five or whatever the fuck you said, Colton, a couple of weeks ago. I think it was. Seven, I think it's been seven years. Yeah, it's something like that, right? Where I, I think a lot of people took this like super literally. I think this is literally just a video for them to explain to the casual player that, oh, we do this to balance characters, and I think a lot of people are taking it as a much bigger thing. Uh, where in reality, it's literally just a like quick video, um, kind of being like, hey, if a character's strong, we nerf it. If a character's weak, we buff it. If a character is weird, we alter them. Is yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that I think what you said, like right at the end, really sums it up. And I haven't watched this, but I, I think that like the premise of it is to give the very, very highest level summary of like if a character is too strong, we nerf them. If a character is too weak, we buff them. Mm-hmm. And then like there is a whole bunch of analysis and math and like different things they're looking at to determine how do we define too strong and too weak and what do we do to buff or nerf yeah but like that's not the point of this Mm -hmm. (laughs) and yeah no i I think people like they're never going to give us literally their entire process and the times they've given us part of it where they're like hey if we see this metric is out of line then people just start going on a fucking like rampage like they bring out the torches and the pitchforks and they're like well, you said if a character got to 52.5% yeah. that you'd change them. And this character is at 52.48. But, you know, I like them, so why aren't you doing what you said? <laughs> like, and it's just like, hey, they're, they're going to do what they're going to do. And obviously, I, I complain about a lot of balance changes that they do. But more transparency is better. So when they give us that stuff, just like take it and consider it and then complain about the results where it's like, Hey, I don't like your methods because you buffed a character that didn't need a buff or you didn't nerf Kaisa again because for some reason she needs to be the number one eighty carry for three years in a row. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Cool. Dope. Um, patch. Yeah. Patch 11, 11. All right. You guys ready? Azir nerfed uh, his Q or buffed his Q crosses decreased. I don't like that change. I'm going to say that after every single one of these. Yeah. <laughs> um, Elise is getting her spider form on hit damage ratio decreased, which I guess is fine. Yeah, I, don't, I don't like that change. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, Ezreal, health regen growth is increased and armor is increased. So <laughs> making him just a little bit healthier in lane, really. Mm-hmm. Graves, base attack damage growth is increased. Awesome. Uh, Hecarim Q uh, bonus AD ratios increased. E damage uh, ratios increased. They're kind of bringing them back because they did uh, they did, they shit on them a little bit. So uh, they're bringing them back a little bit, which I think is fine. And they're bringing them back in ways that are actually good for Hecarim. I think mm-hmm. full damage Hecarim is much healthier for the game than full tank Hecarim. Yeah, I agree. Well, yeah, and it's because full tank Hecarim can still like yeah, exactly. Carry. And like that's always been the issue is that like any of these Bruiser characters hit a point where they can build full tank but still one combo your carry and it's like well i thought they were a bruiser why didn't they have to build any damage Mm -hmm. um at least so far i'm actually really liking this patch because it's it's minor changes like this is the shit i've wanted to see for so long like plus five percent bonus ad that's that's a very small tweak that they can bring it up another five next month if it's still not quite there Mm mm-hmm but yeah. we'll see if they do any ridiculous changes like, hey, we turn this 120% ratio ability into 190%. Yeah. Uh, Lee Sin, E cooldown decreased or increased by one second. 
The best yeah, character in the game is receiving a tiny, tiny nerf that doesn't mean anything. A. Unfortunate. Meanwhile, wasn't, <laughs> wasn't the buff to this ability just taking two seconds off of it, though? I think so, yeah. So they yeah, I mean, taking the problem it back is, by half. The problem is, at least for lane Lee Sin, realistically, the cooldown for clearing minion waves could be anywhere between the eight seconds it was and, what, the 30 seconds it takes for waves to spawn. And anything like that is going to allow him to completely ignore... A, a lane and make it super unfun, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Super uninteractive. His power comes from when he gets Iron Spike and he can E Iron Spike off wave immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And he can disengage from any fight entirely. Mm -hmm. He's too safe of a laner, unfortunately. Okay, let's talk about this character. <laughs> this character's getting gutted. Leona, base, W base damage is decreased. 15 across the board. That's crazy. Why are they nerfing her W damage? Oh my god. Fucking nerf her <laughs> actual W, like, like, damage reduction there's times I mean, <laughs> where like her w feels in par with alistar ult which is a i know it's yeah. obviously i'm not i'm not being like it's not actually in par with alistar ult but for a w compared it's to an better. ultimate it feels very similar i guess it's better because it's on a 10 second cooldown yeah you know i i mean leona has three things going for her she has a lot of cc right she has a lot of damage reduction mm-hmm and she she actually has a, a surprising amount of damage. Yeah. If you incorporate her passive into, like, into her trade combo, um, which in, even, the, in a duo lane it will. Even without her passive, she has a lot of base damage. She like, does. I, yeah. I was, I was playing Leona maybe two weeks ago, and I walked up to a mid laner who had two levels on me. It was an Annie, and she was at sixty percent health, and I like just ran her down, like finished her off with my combo and ignite, and it's like. Mm -hmm. Some supports should be able to do that, but like top three tankiest supports in the game who also have reliable engage and three hard CCs, and two of those hard CCs are on like six second cooldowns. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, she, I mean, she, she's good. So it's, it's one of those things where I think she has to lose one of those three, and I don't think you can remove the CC. Yeah, so no, you I, have to. I, no. You have to remove the tankiness just, or the damage. It should be tankiness, though. I mean, like, t she shouldn't do as much damage as well, don't get me wrong. But, like, I, I just hate seeing someone play so well in lane versus Leona. And Leona plays like shit, takes, like, two tower shots, and still wins the trade. And I'm like, what the fuck's going on yeah. in this clown-ass game? I won't disagree with that. Yeah. <laughs> I think she's I too would, tanky. I would much rather see, like, I, I think that the damage, like, her tankiness needs to be brought down a little bit. But, like... I'm fine with the level of damage Leona does, but I want it pushed way more towards her passive. Mm -hmm. That'd be fine. Right? Like, like e even if it's that, you know, like, her hard CC applies, like, three stacks of sunlight, and then her auto attacks apply just one, and, like, enemies can, you know, stack up to, like, five stacks of sunlight, like, I think that'd be a better way to do it where it's like, hey... You actually are like looking for this as a thing where maybe, you know, you you're like, okay, I really need to hit this person because they've got like three stacks of sunlight about to mm -hmm. expire. Mm -hmm. As opposed to now it's just like it's happening through all of that, but nobody's actually tracking like, oh, Leona just applied the sunlight passive. Let me let me hit that person to proc it before she gets another stack. It's just extra it's, damage that you don't think about. Yeah, yeah. She yeah. just presses R and then you all dive in and it's like, oh cool. I guess my ability did 60 extra damage for some yeah. reason. Mm -hmm. I mean, the crazy thing is, like, her 
going back to Aiden's point, her W just gives too much flat resistance or mm-hmm. flat damage reduction too early. Yeah. You know, eight, what is it? Eight, eight, eight at rank one yeah. is a huge amount of damage to block when champions are only doing 70 damage and auto attack after armor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's crazy. Anyway, characters Next. gutted. Unlucky. Yeah, un- yeah. unlucky. <laughs> Master Yi, Q damage ratio has been decreased from 100% AD down to 90. Uh, the Wuju style, his E base damage has been increased by a flat 10. So, I mean, this is just a little bit more to, hey, auto attack, not just mash Q with Duskblade. Mm-hmm. What's crazy is I don't think this character can lose an ARIM. <laughs> if, if, the, if if you have a keyboard and your monitor yeah. is turned on, I don't think this character loses with Duskblade, uh, Halo Blades. I, I just don't think Duskblade like, is a very good playstyle for his character, especially it's with not. the untargetability from Q already. It feels like you're double dipping in mm-hmm. this toxic type gameplay. And once again, it is a, a, a playstyle that does abuse lower levels of play more than it does for higher levels of play. But you do have to balance around all levels of play at the, at the end of the day. I you just need to remove Duskblade. <laughs> I think it feels more similar to the old APE where a kill grant full granted full reset. Yeah. Um definitely feels more like that than the on hit E that they want. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um next is Morgana. Her W damage against non epic monsters is decreased. There's not really much to say here other than like I sent I think I sent it to our group chat of the change log of them buffing her from 150 percent damage to epic non-epic monsters to 200 percent then nerfing it to 85 then now nerfing it to 155 so it's been a plus five percent uh buff like overall uh and that doesn't include them trying it to be 300 percent on the yeah i was gonna say i thought you forgot about the 300 yeah it's like once again riot's allowed to like try shit i think that's absolutely fine and I also think they're allowed to, like, get stuff wrong. That's also fine. The main problem I have with the whole Morgana thing is that these people are in charge of balancing the game. And once again, throw shit at the wall for on the PvE. Fucking go for it. But the fact that you come up with 300% initially is fucking crazy mm-hmm. to me. Like, yeah, and not like, once again, PvE's for testing shit. I understand that. But the fact that we're now nerfing it down to... 155 percent and your initial shot like hey i wonder what would be a good number to throw try let's try 300 is double Mm -hmm. what like what they Mm -hmm. end up at is it's just it feels like they don't understand how that role works or how this would function which i think that's the bigger thing it's like these people are are in charge of designing and balancing the game but don't understand the impact of a change in any scope it seems like Mm -hmm. or or that they didn't even like take that in in their test environment before pbe yeah and say like how quickly can morgana do a full clear now yeah like did it did it go from and i i don't know the extra number but like let's say it went from a minute 40 down to like a minute flat it's like yeah. okay do we really want to buff her first clear by 40 seconds yeah because that's i think a more tangible like piece of information that obviously like 150 percent damage to 300 percent. you're like okay that's that's crazy mm-hmm. and i think is something that yeah someone on the balance team kind of should have seen and, and i'm with you as well where you're like hey you can make a change and then dial it back because you're wrong and I, I don't really mind that where you're like you're kind of just stepping out and trying something to, to put life back in a character but there is a level where it's like 
that first change needs to be within reason. Yeah. And if you don't know that that make going from 150 to 300 is too much, like what's next? Oh, uh, we're gonna we're gonna try and uh, make Blitzcrank a little better. So we've decided to make his hook throw three arms <laughs> with double the range, and it goes through minions. Yeah. You're right, or like the the fucking the Nautilus hook mm-hmm. like memes that were things like yeah we've decided to uh, to make every time Ari alts just just eight Nautilus hooks on, on every side of her like and hey they're, that's they're usually really good about like dialing it back before it happens like a good example of them recently doing this Colton is with Lux change they were yeah. gonna buff Lux's E damage by ten per- the ratio by ten percent and the base damage by like. I don't know mm, what it was. By it was like, like 30, 20, I think. 30 or this There's a lot. Say, right? Which ended up making it so she could last hit like the back wave of minions. No, how she Lux always has those weird like levels where she just can't hit the last hit of minions. It buffed that by so much that it would just like make Lux like a permaclear mid. And it's like mm-hmm. they people went, hey, can you not do this? You're making Lux a permaclear mid. And they go, oh yeah, okay, that makes sense. We understand the break point was mm-hmm. too early for this to be good. And they immediately pulled it from PB, right? Or they like nerfed it so like the break point yeah. one is as early. But it's just like, you have to be in the ballpark, man. That's all that I care about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, yeah, that's the thing is that there's that, and there's there's certain metrics that you need to go by where I think like for, for a jungler or someone who they were like pushing to the jungle, like how long it takes you to do a full clear. Yeah. And per, like probably second and third is something you should be looking at if you're on the balance team. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're if you're a mid laner for like that Lux change, it's okay. At what level with standard items does my E kill all of the backline? Yeah. Or does it kill the backline after I auto it once with my passive? Do I have to auto the minion with my passive and then one more time? Like those are the questions you need to know. And the things that anyone who plays those characters will tell you. And should know where it's like, if I'm level nine on Zillion and I'm doing okay and I have like standard items for that point in the game, my Q will kill the entire caster wave, but it'll take me two Qs to kill the melee minions. And it'll Mm -hmm. take me three and like an auto attack to kill the cannon. And you know, if you change that and it's like suddenly now at, at level five, Zillion can clear the ranged minions with one bomb, right? It, you're like, oh, that's not a huge change. It's like, no, because now my clear pattern, I get to save 90 mana, and yeah. I have my cooldowns back up in case you gank or I need to go to a scuttle fight. Like, that's massive. And that could have been a change of, like, plus 15 base damage. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and it's not like we're expecting them to, like, to know everything. Like, that's, that's why cool builds do pop up, right? Like, a Lux main might eventually go oh, yeah, if you take the double AP runes in, like, the tree or whatever, and then you rush this item first... Uh, or, like, you hit... go to Minion Dematerializer, and you, like, yeah. pop all three on ranged minions as soon as you can. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, you can last the mini wave, like, five minutes earlier into the game. It's like, okay, that's cool. And we're not expecting them to test shit like that. We're just, just test, like, basic shit, even. Like, that's, like, the main thing, right? Yeah, if you, if you buff a jungler's clear speed... You should know what you're bringing it to. Like, yeah. did you bring it from two minutes and ten seconds down to two minutes and six, mm-hmm. or is it in a minute thirty now? And that's holy shit, that's way too fast. Yeah. They full cleared twice before scuttle spawned. Yeah, I agree. Um, but up next is Nautilus. After we ranted about that, but I think that like that was a pretty big example of them just not yeah. really having a grasp. Uh, Nautilus E now deals increased damage against monsters i hate this change so much i think their changes to the jungle are fucking stupid this is the incorrect way to approach making the jungle more popular 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I don't think adding champions to the jungle roster is making people play want to play the jungle because <laughs> their character's good there. Yeah. I think it literally just makes junglers play different characters. I think yeah. that's the only thing mm-hmm. it's doing. Yeah. yeah, and that's something we had talked about a little bit in the in the Discord where I'm like I, I think jungle more than any role is you just kind of have to play what's good. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, as a mid laner, I've been playing Zillion and Oriana since, you know, season two. And those are the mid laners I like to play. And even if assassins are good at the time, or, like, AD characters or melee, like, whatever is good at the time, I'm normally still always playing Oriana or Zillion. But I feel like in the jungle, like, there are plenty of patches where I'm just like, there's not a fucking chance in hell you're going to catch me playing, like, Rengar or a Mumu or something, because they're just not good this patch. Yeah, how do you and, pick a Mumu like, in the current patch and even make the game playable? No, just, yeah, just play Nautilus or, you know, like... <laughs> play Nautilus, literally. And there's I, no I reason. Think, I think that there's also... Part of this is that I, I think that the, the balanced philosophy around the jungle is not where I want it to be personally, and again my opinion doesn't have much weight with riot games but we're on a podcast and that's what i get to do is chill about my opinions Mm -hmm. um like you don't need to make tanks fast clear yeah you need to make distinct identities for different junglers so like and i I talked about maybe two or three episodes ago where it's like make fast clearing low hp low cc junglers if possible so you can power farm if you want but you also are going to then be vulnerable to invades and you're probably not going to gank that well. And then you can have slow clearing tank junglers like Nautilus who are going to be able to survive the damage the jungle that like the jungle camps are putting out. It's going to take them longer to clear, but they're going to be at like 90% health when they come to gank with their ridiculous CC ability. Like you can yeah. make very different things and it's like, okay, well, they picked Shivana, right? Super fast clear. She's going to be low health. I'm going to pick Elise and just counter jungle the shit out of her because I know that if she's trying to do her win strat, I can play against it. But really my option now, because she's going to be full HP and she'll just walk up and smite the scuttle for 70% of her health back is that mm-hmm. I need to power farm just as fast. So I, I go to you know YouTube and I search fast is clear patch 11.11. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. This yeah. character you can do it one oh, second. Morgana. This character can do it 1.2 seconds faster. I guess I win now. Yeah. No, but yeah, like, I just... don't know. The philosophy of like buffing like popular characters, it just doesn't. I I don't think it like maybe it will end up working like enough for them. But like the most popular mid laner is still a character like um, Yasuo, for example. Yep. And let's just say you give him damage to jungle minions, right? I don't think Yasuo mains start playing him jungle unless jungle's a better role for him than mid, right? And I don't think that solves your issues, right? Like, unless, yeah. unless jungle is a better role for mid than him, like, it doesn't create more people queuing for jungle at all, I don't think. I mean, I think Morgana is a fantastic example of this. How many Morgana support players prior to her jungle buffs have now moved into the jungle as a result? I, I think that number is extremely low. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, versus just, any, I mean, you know, any standard jungle. Say, like, oh, I guess I'll add Morgana to my pool this and, week. And if, if they are moving to jungle, Nick, it's because she's better in the jungle than support right now, right? Whereas yeah. she, if she's just playable in the jungle and she's better in support, those jungle, those support Morgana players don't play her jungle. They don't start queuing jungle secondary either. Like, Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. 
um, what's his uh, local equilibrium enforcer? Um, yeah. What is it? Jazzy Juggernaut said yeah. uh, TLDR'd it pretty nicely for us. The jungle problem is fundamentally a jungle problem, not the champion pool. Yeah. And uh, that's a good way to put it. Uh, anyway, Kiana, W bonus movement speed decreased. Cool. I didn't realize she had bonus movement speed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Uh, I, I think uh, there are other things that would maybe be more in line for Kiana, but uh, yeah. this is one. Uh, Rumble's passive on hit damage against monsters is decreased. That's a good place to start. But Rumble's not good in the jungle. <laughs> mm. uh, rise, base health growth increased. Is this 98 to 110? Yeah. Rise is an interesting character where he's like was picked a lot at MSI, but he's the lowest win rate character in the entire game in solo queue. So yeah. I don't know. It's He's a fucking character that's hard to alter, and I feel bad for Riot. So. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, Senna, passive uh, bonus attack range is decreased. Q now scales with lethality. E now scales with AP when camouflaged. Uh, and the ultimate damage ratio is increased. Um, so the E, the hailing scales with lethality. The For Q. Her, her, wait. It's her, uh, what's it called? The, yeah. Pa- the, yeah, the passive. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Her healing scales with lethality. Her movement speed from the E scales with AP. And the ultimate ap damage ratio is increased yeah like the the main thing they caught here though is that uh they made her her range scale less with souls which i think was the biggest thing i think they very much undervalued how important range is of a stat compare her range that she gets to like kindreds which i understand you can't compare characters directly but senna by playing the game gets uh was getting uh 25 range per 20 stacks right uh late game you get like a couple stacks a wave like in, in like five waves you're gonna get another 25 range which is crazy mm-hmm. versus kindred who gets 50 range every four stacks um and stacks are hard as fuck to get past the first four <laughs> mm-hmm. like like yeah, at most you're getting 12 on kindred so you're getting uh three range increases like at most yeah there's, a good there's game. that and the pacing of it goes down whereas the pacing for senna increases yeah. and i think that's one of the biggest things is like as someone who plays a lot of kindred like early game you can rack up stacks if you're doing well but once you hit the point where it's only spawning on epic monsters right it's like okay the most you could get is one from the epic monster and maybe like two from champions every like six minutes yeah Yeah. and that's not gonna happen in most cases Mm -hmm. like i think the best way to do it is honestly like just give it a hard cap and and mm-hmm. put different breakpoints of like okay at 75 stacks her cap like her her range cap is maxed at 100 stacks like plus 25 base hit healing at 125 stacks plus 10 percent armor pen like there's yeah. a lot of other things you can do but infinitely scaling range <laughs> is one of those that like there are other infinite scalings in the game that are annoying and fucked where it's like there's a point where Nasus will just one hit you with every Q, and that sucks. But like, one, it really, really sucks when Senna is auto attacking your tower from longer than your tower range. <laughs> and don't forget, and it's not just range; it's crit up to the cap, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. it's converted to life steal. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's a lot. Anyway, yeah, Seraphine, cool. everyone's favorite character, uh, W base self and 
ally shields increase. The base self shield mm-hmm. and the base ally shield have been increased at higher levels. So the, the level one value is the same. They scale up a little bit better, trying to push her back towards the mid lane where you actually get those levels. He also mm-hmm. got gutted uh, like with Moonstone. Moonstone's a bad item right now for the most part, so it kind of definitely yeah. fucked her a little bit. So I think this is fine. Um, yep. Shaco's W damage is increased. His EAP uh, damage ratio is decreased. That's fine. It's, I think Shaco's super not fun to play against. W uh, damage ratio decreased. Sorry, yeah. They're, said... they're nerfing both of his abilities. Yeah. Is, uh, good, good, good. Long short of it, yeah. Good. Uh, since you cooldown now scales down to eight seconds. Oh, yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, Teemo, W cooldown increased by a flat three seconds. Hell yeah. Um, Urgot's W modified damage ratio is decreased later, so he's going to get less of uh, an AD percentage, just by 2% um, in the late ranks of his W purge, which I do think, like, Urgot, when he gets Hydra plus, like, uh, mm-hmm. Black Cleaver or any of those fucking, like, weird, like, AD tank bruiser items, he starts to become a fucking nightmare. So I think this is fine. Yeah, this is fine. I think the like the biggest issue, honestly, is the damage from his passive because that's where his real damage is coming from. Mm-hmm. Like the shotgun legs is where the real damage is at. Yeah. Um. This I don't think makes a huge difference. No. Uh. To his like hundred to zero combo, but like for a long fight in the top lane where you're you know just sitting you know with your W on and hitting him a million times without getting your shotgun legs off, that this will help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. cool. Aiden, you want to take us into uh, your favorite section? Yeah. Tank uh, items fucking my blow. My tank items blow. Um, <laughs> so they're changing a bunch of tank items. Uh, the main, I guess, overall thing going into tank item discussion is that tank items are very cost inefficient items uh, because they have very strong passives on them uh, compared to, say, 80 carry items, which are very cost efficient because they usually are just more raw stats than mm-hmm. uh, actual actives. But we'll go and we'll continue. Uh, Bramble Vest is getting a five armor nerf and the reflected damage no longer scales to the bonus armor. I think this is fine. Bramble Vest is probably the best tank item in the entire game. It's 800 yep. gold for fucking super good Grievous Wounds. It's Warbox, either Bramble or um, or Tabby, right? Or Steel Guards, whatever. Steel Guards, yeah. Steel Cups, yeah. Um, Warmogs is getting a pretty cool buff, so its health requirement where you get the crazy out-of-combat health regen is getting changed from 3,000 maximum health to 1,100 bonus health, which... Uh, Warmogs itself gives 800 bonus health, so you're only looking for another um, 300 bonus health to proc Warmogs, so you can easily yeah, so build plus it. plus one item. Yeah, plus one item. You can even, honestly, uh, I, I know Swift in our Discord was theorycrafting that you could build it first item on, like, Wukong because his um, health growth mm-hmm. per uh, So, health level. growth doesn't doesn't contribute to it. That okay, counts so, as base health. Okay, so no, that, you guys like figured a, that out. A Doran, like, if you went Doran shield, like, yeah. ruby crystal Warmogs, you'd hit yeah, I just saw some discussion. I thought it was because health mm-hmm. growth uh, does. Uh, it, it turns out that um, that in that particular game, it was grasp plus overgrowth. Oh, uh, okay. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's crazy that you could, in theory, proc it off, like just building one item. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's, mm-hmm. Warmogs could be a good second item. That being said, remember, guys, armor and magic resist will make your overall health more efficient because your per uh, point health is worth more when you have armor and magic resist. That being said, mm-hmm. when you're already 250 armor, building a third, uh, a fourth, fifth armor item is way less efficient because you're getting way like a way lower percentage of that in actual armor stats. So at that point, you yeah. might want to look to build a Warmogs instead of having 300 armor opposed to 250 armor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, and yeah. So like that calculation on tank stats is important and something we've talked about before but i think one thing that i really really like about (laughs) this 
is that I personally I want Wormogs to be in a spot where you can get it first second item yeah. because to me it's the tank's solution to split pushers mm-hmm. where if I'm you know if I'm playing Shen or Scion or like insert generic tank Maokai yeah. and I'm against let's say a Fiora Right, we're gonna duel and and beat each other's faces, and hooray, we both escape at forty percent health, and I run away, and she's gonna auto attack the minion wave four times and be full health, and I'm gonna be sad. But yeah. like with this as an option, it's like I know I'm just gonna be sitting there repeating this pattern, and so while I hide under my tower, I can regen with war mogs, and I can at the very least like, you know, push waves back. Yeah, and and have a have a solution. And that's I think to me like what more Warmogs is for is for the, the people who don't get to build the stupid life stealer, don't have that sustain in their kit, where it's like okay, we both clear a wave. I hide in a bush and get my health back. You life steal the wave. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. I I think Warmogs is and this is lets you missed. do that so much sooner. Yeah, it's very much missed in the game because I, I I think we have had a lot of discussions about war, why Warmogs is just not a good item. Um, but I think this honestly, I might start building it on Tom Kench. I think it might be worth it now. So mm-hmm. we'll have to see. I think see on where Tom Kench it'll be good. I think on Scion it'll be nutty because uh, yeah. you could literally like start Ruby Crystal, get this first item, and because of your W, you'll hit. Yeah. Um. So you yeah. could you could potentially. I don't even have think you this... have to start Ruby Crystal. I think you can just go Dorans. Yeah. N- yeah. I mean, you could, but I'm saying like. You could potentially have Warmogs at, like, level 10 and just be like, what are you going to do? Like, if you don't kill me, I just come right on back. Yeah. And, like, mm-hmm. I have my ultimate to escape ganks as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so cool. I look forward to that. Anyway, Warden's Mail. Yep. Uh, so Warden's Mail and Randuin's are both getting flat uh, damage reduction rather than just the maximum health. I think this is actually going to be a pretty good early game. Uh, over Like, just... Uh, What's it called? Flat damage reduction is very undervalued, and there's certain characters who get fucked by flat damage reduction, uh, Ash being one of them. <laughs> mm-hmm, Where mm-hmm. I watched a video of uh, an Ash hitting someone who had like a ton of armor and a hot ton of damage, uh, flat damage reduction. Maybe it was Liana that she was hitting, and she was just hitting zeros on her with her Q, <laughs> yeah. which is, I've never seen before. <laughs> it's funny as fuck. Um, and Frozen Heart's also yeah. getting that, so that's uh, nice. I think that will actually uh, be a pretty decent buff to those items for the most part. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that that is an option. Like, back to Adaptive Helm when that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, right, items like these where you really have that choice to base your tankiness around the damage type the enemy has. Yeah. Like, I love that for tank itemization where it's like, okay, cool. Like, I, the, Warden's Mail might be at a fuck point where everyone gets it every game and we don't want that. But, like, I do want it to be at a point where it's like, hey, they have an Ash. Like, this item is going to fuck that character. Like, they have a Talia or a Corky, so I can go Adaptive Helm. Mm-hmm. Versus, like, oh, man, I really want to build Warden's Mail this game, but they have a Lethality Varus, and it's going to take, like, 8 damage off of his 500 damage Q, and that's yeah. going to do nothing. Like, I love that idea for tank itemization, and I just hope they lean into it a lot more and give people those options where again it's not so much stat check but like hey i'm building against the 80 carry this game or i'm building against the mid laner or the jungler like you you have those choices mm-hmm. yeah cool you guys want to go through the rest items yeah yeah moonstone renewer uh four per stack up to 20 is now six per stack up to 30 percent 
Uh, so pretty significant increase going from 20 to 30 at max stocks. Yeah. Uh, similarly for Black Cleaver, up to 30% um, armor pin, which seems like a lot, actually. Yeah. It's pretty big. Yeah, so plus 1% shred per stack, mm -hmm. 24 up to a cap of 30 now. Yep. Divine Sunderer, um, more uh, max health damage on uh, the Spellblade hit. Uh, melees heal for 15% more, up to uh, 65% of the of the damage, and then ranged for 40% of the damage. Um, I think this item is kind of, kind of underrated, but... Yeah, we'll I could see this becoming. I'm just trying to think now. Like, do we do we see the rise of Divine Sunderer, Grasp of the Undying, Ezreal? Yeah, I mean, probably. I think It'll he's probably be a thing. Probably the best user of this because I don't. I mean, I guess Essence Reaver is a really good item for him, but yeah, that's okay. Essence Reaver isn't isn't Essence Reaver. Yeah, it's non mythic, but like, um, yeah. it's non mythic, but it, it takes up the spell blade. The yeah, theorized positive. best mythic for Ezreal before this patch, you guys might not know, is Leandre's. That makes sense. Uh, be mainly because uh, the mythic passive on it is cooldown reduction. Which oh, is, interesting. Which is, uh, guess no, what, Ezreal's... It's ability haste. <laughs> You're such a pussy. Uh, is, Get fucked. Is um, Ezreal's fucking best stat, in my opinion. <laughs> so a, a lot of people have, like, you go still, your, like, Essence Reaver. Um, fuck, what's the other item that he Mermana. builds? Muramana, um, and then you'd go Leandre's as your third item, uh, not, uh, just because it gives you pretty decent stats. AP's not bad on him. Attack, uh, the not attack damage. Mana's not. It's mana, right? I think it's on Leandre's or Mike smoking weed. Yeah, it builds from Lost Chapter. Yeah, uh, and then you get cooldown reduction as your mythic passive, which is just better than any other mythic passive you could ask for for Ezreal. I think so. Yeah. So I would try that build, by the way, uh, unless Divine Thunder ends, ends up being his best build, and then build Divine Thunder instead. But mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. Uh, up next, Frostfire Gauntlet. Uh, the slow for ranged users has been halved, and the cooldown, they added two seconds. It went from four to six. These changes persist to the upgraded Orn version. Uh, hey, Frostfire Gauntlet isn't for ranged characters. <laughs> Stop building what if it, we Senna. Just, what if we just made it not work for ranged characters? Yeah, I mean, I mean so, like, Senna's the only character in the entire game range that abuses it but once again i don't think... i mean currently yes yeah, Ezreal I mean. abused it for years yeah all, all i'm saying is but that, that I was different i don't think they should be nerfing an item because one character uses it you know what i mean yeah i don't think so either but... it'd be like you know when they uh buffed titanic and it made ergot op mm -hmm. or they buffed ergot mm -hmm. him what either way like nerfing titanic is not the the right decision to to deal with that you know what i mean guess what they did yeah, I know. It's just like, <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. It's like, you shouldn't yeah. nerf an item that is going to affect 30 other characters, but yeah, whatever. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, awesome. Staff of Flowing Water uh, grants a little bit more AP. We'll just run through these real quick. Yeah. Serpent's Fang, a little bit more shield reduction for ranged users. Yeah. Uh, the Wardstone line has changed. The Stirring Wardstone is gone, and they've updated the Watchful and Vigilant Wardstone. Yeah, it's a good change overall because no one would ever get to Vigilant ever, so this is good. Holy shit. Vigilant Wordstone now increases ability power, ability haste, bonus attack damage, and bonus health by 12%. Yeah, it kind of allows you to actually scale into the game properly, which I think is yeah, actually Yeah, it gives you some cool. items as a, as a support. Pog. Yeah. Uh, Rune's Halo Blade's cooldown is increased by 50% from 8 to 12 seconds. Yep. That's pretty good. I think uh, that, that 
room became a little bit strong. Yeah, it should it should be a one-time thing, not like three or four times per fight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for biscuits, the sellback cost is now five gold rather than thirty. Uh, why it even has a sellback feature? <laughs> I don't who know. knows? Yep. Who knows? It shouldn't have one. Yeah. Uh, there's been some in-game shop updates, some Nexus Blitz balance changes. Oh, Nexus Blitz is returning for the project event. Yeah. From May 27th to the June 28th, uh, a lot of bug fixes and then some skins. These uh, are some pretty fucking sick skins. We've got Project Sejuani, Project Mordekaiser, Project Renekton, Project Senna, Project Silas, Project Silas Prestige, and Project Varus. Yeah, they're really, really that, cool. Uh, that Project Mordekaiser is one of the coolest skins, I think, it's, in the game. Yeah, if you like watch all of its effects and stuff, it, I think it honestly is... I'm not sure. Is it a legendary? Do you guys know? It, it feels is a legendary. Like, okay, I was going to say, it feels like fucking legendary, mm-hmm. like plus quality it feels like one of the best legendaries they've created he looks so badass and like like that's the fucking shit you want to see when like you think of mordekaiser yeah is Mm -hmm. like like look at this fucking tyrant colton if you haven't seen it the alt animation is one of the fucking coolest effects they've ever done for a spell in the game everything's fucking grayscale it's so fucking cool. And isn't it like a cityscape in the yeah, background? Yeah, it's a cityscape like in, in the Instead of yeah. the I'm stupid mist, it. it's like a fucking, like, so cool. Neo-Tokyo cityscape. It's so sick. Um, but yeah, that's the patch notes. Uh, real quick, I'll just run through this while Colton's watching the um, the, the skin trailer. Uh, Monsters vs. Human Champs Riot has basically said, hey, we committed to doing a lot of human-esque champions because those are most popular and that's kind of what we want to go for. Um, they said that they admit that they kind of leaned into it a little too heavily, so they're going to tone it down. Uh, and although they're not going to dedicate like a full year to monster characters, um, that they're aware that human characters or humanoid characters all the time, uh, aren't the call. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like, I think it's a good so, call. Um, it's just, yeah. I think so too. I they thought also, their um, characterization of certain characters was really interesting. Renekton is classified as a humanoid character. Yeah, that is pretty interesting. I definitely would count him more as a creature. I yeah, also I would thought too. the reasoning was really, really good. Uh, I'm not sure they talk, didn't talk about it earlier, but pretty well that, like, just in games, people like playing as people. Mm-hmm. Like the yeah. fucking Chris Puner, I, I want to play as a, a <laughs> human in fucking World of Warcraft, like, yeah. all the time. Like, a- apparently people like that, and... Uh, having more humanoid characters allowed more people to relate or feel connected to a wider variety of characters in the league. So it had its purpose. Uh, it does feel like too much. They realize that uh, hopefully we'll get more creature characters. I guess. Yeah. A really good example of uh, a, a character's theme, not really hitting is uh, Aurelian soul yeah. where a star dragon should be a popular character. Yeah. But the mm. character's kit is so, weird and different from anything else in the game that he just becomes off-putting for so many players yeah yeah i also feel like the like amount of vestayan characters like and i don't i don't even know if lilia and nico count but like lilia and nico set where they're like yeah they're they kind of have some animal features a little bit but they're they're just people yeah they're human oh, right yeah <laughs> right like that's the kind of thing where i think they could have gone a lot farther on to like the I, whatever Nico's a chameleon person and like 
Yeah. I don't know what animal hybrid set is, but like yeah. I don't they, they they could go a lot farther and have really cool character designs. Like right, like go the full mile like with Renekton where it's like if we're calling Renekton a humanoid, which I think you can, <laughs> like make them that level of humanoid and not like we literally cut and pasted a hundred percent regular person on top of these goat legs. On top to a deer, yeah. <laughs> yeah, on top of a deer or whatever she is. Like, go full fucking deer. Yeah. But oh, yeah. anyway, if they're making more monster characters, cool, cool, cool. Colton, what do you think of uh, Project Mordecai's result? Oh, it's pretty dope. It it's was pretty, pretty dope. fucking dope. Nice. Uh, all right, let's do the stories. Um, now that we're an hour into the show. Um, the first one is from Cop Podcast. Five stars. Great podcast. These are some super epic poggers people talking about a poggers game. 10 out of 10, 5 out of 5 would recommend to a friend. Cop. Thank you, Cop. Yeah. Next one is from Johnny Boy 8173 uh, The single best league podcast. Five stars. I downloaded podcast app just to post how great this podcast is. I have heard over 200 episodes and Neil does a really good job of hosting the show. Colin kind of sus, not going to lie. Kidding, Colin actually pog, not dog. But Aiden is pretty pog champ. Would recommend to anyone and everyone. Also, Tom Kench, sicko mode, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks, Johnny. I'll, Back uh, to you, Neil. <laughs> thanks, Colin. Uh, awesome. Aiden, who didn't get any weird name in that, do you want to take us uh, talk to us about coaching? <laughs> Hello, Aiden. He's dead. I'm back. Oh no! Sorry. Oh, I'm welcome back. back. Yeah. That's okay. You wanna you wanna tell us about coaching? I sure do. Um, so we had a big long discussion on our Discord about this, uh, mostly stemming from one of our listeners saying, "Hey, uh, does anyone know where I can coaching?" And another listener responding, uh, not to like not in like a malicious way or anything. Hey, I I know this guy. He coaches. Uh, his rate's one hundred fifty dollars an hour, but I recommend his like understudy who co- who charges one hundred twenty dollars an hour. Which, once again, like, nothing wrong with, like, that guy suggesting that. That's what he knows. Uh, but I do want to have a small discussion about coaching prices, uh, what you can gain from coaching. We offer coaching and what ours means and how everything about that. So it will be me rambling for a little bit, uh, but then we can have, like, a little bit of discussion after. I just mm-hmm. wanted to, like, clear up some things. I, do, I don't want to have anyone get, as I said a bunch in that conversation on Discord, robbed. Um, so the main... Uh, coaching coaching your purpose of coaching is to improve obviously no one gets coaching just for the sake of just hey i'm gonna fucking get coached for no reason right people want to improve in league it is a competitive game that people take serious at seriously at all levels of play um that being said i do think a lot of people go to coaching before they start looking at their own self-analysis i think that one of the best things you can do is understand your own mistakes before asking someone else right like when i'm playing I, I go, oh, I shouldn't stay for this wave because their jungler could be here and I could die for it. That being said, I'm going to stay for this wave because if I get to push it and I get to reset the wave and it will bounce here. And I understand where my mistake could be if I was going to make it, right? Or when you die, what could I have done to uh, stop the, stop myself from dying here, right? Did I push up too far? Did I overextend without abilities? Did I have vision? All these things. Self-analysis is really core to improving. No pro player... Um, got to that point without self-reflection in some way. And of course, Mm -hmm. it's fucking hard to self-reflect. It's hard to lose a game and go, 
I was an issue or even a game where you did well and you lost, I could have improved here or a game where you won. I We won, but I could have done this better, right? Those are all hard things to analyze yourself. That being said, yeah. um, I, I think this is something that <laughs> coaching is something that if you were a high yellow player, I completely understand paying for coaching. If you want to become a pro, a go-to academy, whatever, you're a high diamond player pushing for master, a master player pushing for challenger, paying a good person for coaching makes sense to me. If you were a lower ELO player, I'm not saying that you shouldn't get coaching. I'm just saying that spending $150, $120 an hour for coaching is not the best use of your resources. I'm not saying you won't improve. I'm not saying these people aren't good coaches. But when you're paying that amount of money, you're paying for their time rather than the actual content. Someone that I really respect is LS. LS used to coach. LS, if LS wanted to coach right now, he would probably, this is uh, this is a little bit out of my ass, but I think he would charge in the realm of $400 an hour, $300, $400 an hour. Why? One, he's fucking good. He has professional experience. Two, it's, it's not worth his time to charge anything less. If he charged anything less, it's not worth his time compared to doing co-streams, creating content for T1, um, mm-hmm. creating content on his Twitch or YouTube channel. It's just not worth it. That's why we see, like, for example, the person on our Discord uh, recommended a big YouTuber who does coaching. That's why that guy charges $150 for his coaching. It doesn't mean that his coaching isn't worth that. It doesn't mean that he doesn't provide good content. That's not why I'm saying don't buy that coaching. I'm just saying that you could get similar levels of coaching for a much lower price because it's a lower price is worth that person's time. I guess. Um, I go ahead. Can I, yeah. yeah, And I, I stepped away for a moment, but I also think you probably touched on a little bit like the level that you're at versus the coaching that you're purchasing is a huge, huge, huge difference. And I think like, jumping to a traditional sports metaphor is like a really easy way to do it where it's like i like if i'm just learning how to play a sport like right if i'm like silver in Mm -hmm. league or like i'm i'm just getting like to learn how to play baseball like paying fucking nolan ryan (laughs) you know eight hundred dollars an hour to teach me how to properly grip the baseball and throw it like i could watch a youtube video of the basic fundamentals and get that exact same information for free. Yeah. Now, if, I, if I'm, like, a minor league pitcher and I'm trying to go pro, yes, like, I can't get that information from anyone else. I need somebody at that level to, like, tell me, hey, uh, you're you're stepping forward two inches too far, and the angle of your elbow on your curveball is a little off, and I can tell in your motion which pitch you're throwing before you throw it. So, like, I can tell it's going to be a change-up because you change your motion. Like, that's the kind of stuff that a really good pitching coach would be able to tell you. But if you're just like, hey, what's uh, the difference between a two-seam and a four-seam and, like, a split-finger fastball? Mm -hmm. Like, you can watch a YouTube video or or Google that, and you'll get those answers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So, moving on from that, um, I guess... I want to go through the steps of if you want to get coached, here's what you should go. Or if you want to get better at league, here's the way, here's the steps that you should go through before you go to coaching, right? Um, if you are a low yellow player, start with by watching your own games. If you're a high yellow player, start by watching your own games. I think if you're higher yellow, you're probably more likely to have already done this at some point or been a little bit more self um, analytical about your own play. Um, but watch a VOD, watch a VOD that you do poorly, watch VOD where you do bad, and try to point out any mistakes. Writing stuff down is always important. Uh, there used to be tons of pro players that on stream would have a list of shit that 
if they fucked up, they would write it on a notepad. And that would be on their notepad on their other monitor for the day. Like, I pushed up on this wave and the jungler fucking cheese ganked me. Uh, I'm not going to do that again. Just making notes of stuff like that is so fucking important to understanding where your mistakes are and making sure you don't make them again. That being said, uh, your next step is, hey, if you got a friend, get them to watch one of your games. It can be live. It can be a VOD. Get your friend to point out things that maybe you don't see, right? That's a super free way to have another set of eyes on your own game. After Mm -hmm. that, look at YouTube and Twitch content. There is tons of matchup guides for every single character. League of Legends isn't some niche game. You can find a matchup guide for fucking Heimerdinger. There is some Heimerdinger one trick out there who is who probably has made a video on like a guide for Heimerdinger matchups, whatever you need. Uh, there's tons of one tricks in League of Legends. You you won't be left alone if it's just top lane. There's tons of people who are professional top laners that make great content. Wicked I think puts out some of the best top lane focused content on YouTube. He was the old top laner for CLG EU. Um, he's he's really really good at the game. He still creates great content. After that, if you are still looking for coaching after all that, you think you've improved at the most that you can without a personalized experience then start by looking at cheaper options before you jump to higher options i guess um my first bet would be go to go to the uh r slash league coaching subreddit this subreddit is kind of abandoned it is kind of a shit show with a lot of people posting about boosting services and shit like that that being said there's lots of fucking gems on here like right now uh, there's a post from nine minutes ago from a diamond two top laner offer offering aff- affordable coaching um, he probably is going to be charging like $10 an hour for coaching. Uh, there was a post earlier today, um, yeah, from a special uh, Grandmaster coach specializing in uh, jungle AD carry and support. Like, these mm-hmm. people are the type of people that will be charging sub $20 an hour for coaching, mostly because uh, they aren't affiliated with bigger websites that charge more money, and they're trying to get their foot in the door for coaching. These are the type of players that... It- once they start their coaching career, they're going to be charging way more. Uh, one more example, just before I get off this uh, league coaching uh, subreddit. Master tier mid slash top laner co- uh, coaching for seven euros an hour. Like, shit yeah. like that is, like, resources where you're... They might not have the coaching experience, like, to really help you out. But you're, you are just looking for a better player to help you out in any way. And um, for this price, it's almost hard not to at least send them a dm and see what their like uh credentials are uh they're all good players i would really recommend it that being said after that i do have some coaching websites that i would recommend before going to like hire one before i recommend you hiring like 150 dollars an hour coach uh gamer sensei used to be my go-to coaching website they've completely redesigned the website i'm not sure how much i want to uh put faith in it but they were a really really reputable site that a lot of pro players would coach on as well as a lot of uh vetted newer players uh that is a site that i would recommend bettergamer.com is another really good site tons of people have reviews on this site reviews are really important when um looking at coaches if tons of people go yeah this guy was awesome he showed up he taught me this stuff i feel happy with the money i spent great that is a good place to start and then one that I was less sure of, but I think it's fine if you're starting out to trying to get into coaching, look at Fiverr. Yeah, Fiverr, the website where you see people make fucking cringe shit on YouTube, like paying a bunch of people to design, like whatever. Uh, just Google League of Legends coaching on Fiverr, and there is a ton of coaches who are charging like sub $15 an hour who are grant, who are like challenger high diamond coaches, and they have reviews of people who are satisfied customers. I know it's not the, like, maybe it seems like the best site, but like, as long as you have verified reviews for stuff like this and people are satisfied, you are in a good you are good in good hands. I think mm-hmm. uh, that's where I would start at, at least. Um, once again, 
we are also saying this from the perspective of the fact that we offer coaching. We offer replay reviews and we offer coaching. Our replay reviews are twenty dollars um, through our Patreon, and our reviews, our live um, coaching, is uh, fifty dollars per hour. I do think. Not that we're like an LS type or we're a pro player type or we're a huge content creator, but the reality is, is we're not fucking experts, right? Uh, I'm, I have two D2 accounts. Colton usually is a diamond player. Nick is a diamond player. None of us are challenger players. We are probably charging more for, more than what we would normally give at uh, our level of play. That being said, we are charging um, based on our time. We're charging based on our time rather than our, on our knowledge. I think that we are all knowledgeable people and we're reputable in the fact that you probably are listening to our podcast if you're coming to us for coaching. So you at least feel comfortable talking to us about stuff. You think that we're knowledgeable enough in League of Legends, but you could find cheaper coaching elsewhere. And I do think that is a very important thing to note. We're not trying to fucking like, uh, shill our coaching. I think we're all uh, good enough coaches to help out our listeners. Um, but if you are just looking for cheap coaching, there are tons of resources out there and just please do not get robbed paying, uh, over like hundred dollars an hour for coaching. Fucking Biofrost does coaching on a website for $50 an hour. Like that's crazy. Uh, yeah. It's like, just, just make sure that you're, you're not getting robbed. That's all I care about. I just don't want to see our listeners like be paying for something that they're, they're not going to make the most use out of. And hopefully that helps. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. I, I, I think that again, yeah, it's, it's something where nothing against that person and, mm-hmm. and they're charging, I think a fair price yeah. for their service. And I, I think that pricing your own service for something you're comfortable with is something that any person should be able to do where it's mm-hmm. like, if you're an artist, if you're a coach, if you're whatever, if you value your time at that, that's how much it's worth. And it's whether or not somebody also values it that much to pay that. Yeah. And again, like, for the vast majority of players, you don't need the $150 an hour coach yeah. to tell you like, hey, don't build, you know, steel caps against Falcaz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Nice. Uh, awesome. Thank you, Aiden. Let's talk about uh, MSI Finals. Did you guys uh, happen to watch the MSI Finals? I did, finals yeah. I wanted to, but I was busy tearing up carpet. <laughs> Ooh, I see. We're going to spoil it for you, Colton. Um, I know what happened. Ooh, spoiler for us then. Uh, all right. So we had um, RNG 3-1 PSG Talon. Is that correct? 3-1. Mm-hmm. Um, in a series that wasn't too close. I think the game started close and then RNG kind of just rapidly took over. Um, I think they were clearly the better team um, in that particular series. We had uh, DK take... Um, the series against Mad Lions 3-2 in a very um, very back and forth series, I think. It was uh, kind of one-sided both ways in, in the wins. Mm-hmm. Um, but the last two games, DK clutched it out really hard. Uh, and then in the finals, RNG uh, took the MSI Trophy 3-2. Um, 3-2 versus DK in the, what, first ever five-game MSI? Uh, first ever five-game MSI, third ever international international event. Finals. Yeah. yeah, that went to uh, five games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think um, specifically in MSI as a whole, uh, kind of proved that you can't have a weak, a weak spot in your roster mm-hmm. on the international stage. Um, y- you know, top lane, I think, kind of pulled their weight a lot more 
in this particular MSI than in a lot of other international domestic events. Yeah. Um, and we saw what happens if you, you know, have a, a hole in your roster, um, a la barrel and ghost. <laughs> I was going to say, flame those players in particular. Say their names. I, and I don't think they're bad players because they, they had, you know, Because games. they were at MSI. They, had, they were in MSI and they had games in that series where they looked really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but they clearly got outclassed over the course of five games by uh, Gala and Ming. Um, who, Gala, boy, Gala looked fucking crazy yeah, Gala's, good. Gala's filling Uzi's shoes in a, in a fine way. I think he's doing a very Absolutely. good job. Absolutely. So, uh, world finals, best of seven. <laughs> no, thank you. I would Please be fine yeah. with, I would be fine with world finals, best of seven. If that's the only thing. Yeah. I, I think that that's the only, <laughs> like, I, I, again, I, I want more best of threes and I think that you could do world finals, best of seven, but don't use best of seven for anything else. I think yeah. it should only be best of seven if it's already double elimination. And that's the best of seven is to give the winner side an extra game. Like, advantage like but. if they start 1-0 yeah that's 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 how i, I think that would be fine seven. um what if but, it's ooh, what if it's best of seven if it only goes to five games <laughs> ooh, true <laughs> um, um yeah, i i agree I, I think it was a good series um i do think there was a pretty big gap uh bottom line i i do think barrel and ghost i don't know somehow like Obviously, it's easier to say as a spectator, but it's crazy how often they would have their lane torpedoed by, like, fucking four waves in. They would just have it, like, frozen under the enemy's turret, and then get Yeah, it would just be die. so bad right away. It was like... It would just it, be... Uh. There's just, like, fundamentals that weren't there somehow. Um, that being said, I think Showmaker played fucking awesome on Damwon throughout the mm-hmm. entire series. He had one game where he turbo-fed a little bit, but once again, they all got crushed that game. Canyon played really well i think way played better um but I do, I do see why canyon was the best jungler going into that tournament they canyon showmaker should not be held accountable for that loss um con played pretty uh good for the most part definitely had some bad games but uh definitely damwon's bottom lane i think if they had a different bottom lane they probably would have won that series yeah yep i agree it was good. that being said everyone on rng i think played great so mm-hmm my my biggest complaint with uh, MSI was the meta was fucking stale, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, um, I think we saw the same, maybe twenty champions pick and banned every single every single series. Yeah, I'm gonna pull up the actual stats for it because there was a lot of characters picked overall. Um, but uh, what's it called during the actual like post group stage or whatever it wasn't that many characters yeah there was 79 characters pick band which is actually not too bad to be honest for like a event that being mm-hmm. said when we look at knockout stage which is the whatever like the the final stage there was 39 characters uh picked or banned yeah not very many at all um yeah I, i'm sure most of those 79 you said was yeah. uh pgg um yeah, just picking <laughs> like zed and kiana mm-hmm. hey. yeah yeah. Um, but but yeah. Uh, uh, overall, a very fun event. I, again, I'll say it. Uh, I fucking loved waking up every morning and mm-hmm. being able to watch all of the events and shit talk with everyone in the Discord uh, during work. That was a that was a lot of fun. And I hope um, you I know mean, I'm able to do the same for for Worlds. I've been watching um uh, Valorant. Um, mm-hmm. it starts at eleven every day, so it's a little bit later. Ooh. But um, dude, fucking NA. Ooh, NA. Uh, both teams semifinals already. Both the U teams Ooh, NA, losers NA bracket, did. yeah. Ooh. Uh, but nice. I mean, they could easily come back. But still, it is it's yeah. nice seeing yeah. NA do well at an event because uh, a lot of like a lot of people were like, yeah, NA are just like I don't know, they're pub stompers. They just like play like 
super aggressive and just kill people. There's like no strategy, but they fucking. I mean, they two two owed one EU team, then two one the other EU team. So hell yeah. So uh, it's nice. good. Uh, also, one more discussion about MSI, uh, Blue Side, because I do think we circle jerked <laughs> about it a little bit too much. I do think Blue Side obviously has an advantage. It's pretty easy to say that because in the Rumble stage, or sorry, post Rumble <laughs> stage, we saw Blue Side have an eighty percent win rate. Um, mostly, I think because of the meta, getting first pick is super important. Mm-hmm. Um, like it had a one hundred percent in the final series. That being said. Let's not circle jerk about it too much because the fucking Reddit thread that was like top of Reddit. And I think we also like we use very heavy handed language sometimes like a lot of us say like, oh, like if you're blue side, if, if, if Damwon had started blue side and they got it three games, they would have won the series, which I think is fucking silly to say, to be honest. I um, think so, too. Yeah. Um, that being said. Like, the Reddit thread, the, the quote on the fucking front page Reddit thread is, seriously, what's wrong with the game? The game is already over when you get blue side. Basically, it means whoever gets to choose side first wins the best of five. That is so unfair. Like, what, <laughs> what a crazy person thing to say. I do think it's yeah. pretty fucking obvious that blue side had an advantage at the tournament, mostly because of the meta. You get a fucking crazy pick round one, and the counter picks that you get aren't nearly as strong or don't do as much. Um, mm-hmm. Mainly because you get fucking Udyr, Morgana, or Rumble in first round, and the other Yeah, you get a tier out. two jungler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Otherwise. Which, but I don't know. It, it just seems like, yeah, there's problems with blue slash red side, especially in certain metas, but holy fuck, thinking that, like, a team won the tournament because they got red side is, <laughs> is fucking it's insane. Yeah, and I, I think that it's also, like, even that one level of, of separation of red side, blue side versus, I, I think currently what we're really talking about is first pick, second pick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, like, someone can say, you know, blue side has an 80% win rate, and you say, okay, that's fucked. The game is broken. The game's in a terrible place. But then if you say, like, hey, first pick has an 80% win rate, then that, that changes things. You're like, okay, wait, is there just a stupid OP pick right now? <laughs> or is there, like, a stupid OP four picks so that when they ban three of them, you still get one? Yeah. Like, that is something else, and I think that that has to deal with, you know, games being decided more in draft these days, which I think is true to a point, that the, the game is obviously pushing more and more towards like a solved equation but right like if you take two perfectly even teams the team that gets first pick will probably win but if you have a team that is like two percent better and they don't get first pick there's a really good chance they're still gonna win that game Mm -hmm. yeah cool yeah it was interesting yeah um anyway let's talk more about uh na because I don't want to talk about other regions anymore. Yeah, so the roundtable. Round <laughs> yeah, so last week's question was, what does NA need to do to perform better at international events? We got lots of responses. Got some from Twitter. One from Pasta CEO. He says, stop looking for excuses. Accept that NA is a minor region and grind. Scrim more and play less. So- play more solo queue. Let uh, more fresh talent in. Let the mediocre players go and get uh, someone promising. Hell yeah. Uh, Kevin says, change the social perspective and on specialization and discipline to allow for real dedication to a craft america's americans aren't built to be as good as other uh societies at <laughs> micro intensive disciplines uh yeah and uh tanera said put fudge on ta- carry top laners give them the fudge difference in all chat dude fudge i i became a fudge fan throughout that tournament i was a uh not a fudge hater but like a I don't think Fudge, Fudge is that good, and I think he fucking turbo into a lot of games too. Holy shit, he's the best player on Cloud Nine. I think he kind of proved that he was he was pretty solid. I 
don't want to attribute too much to the Leeson yeah. like priority that Cloud9 had, but they had a lot of Leeson top lane priority. <laughs> he seemed good though. And when he played like when he got a couple games where he got to play like what he played I really the one game, right? And uh I think the, so, yeah. Versus the mad that was sick. He just fucking crushed people. It was so good. Um from our Facebook, Zach said LCS should uh spend the next season and a half uh playing extremely aggressive in laning phase it's too much about the na mentality just to give up through laning phase with a 1k gold deficit while regions like korea and china take every early advantage they can and use that to impact team fights msi showed that na can compete with those in those team fights uh with the best of them but we're we just shot ourselves in the foot uh for 15 minutes before we look good i do think there is something to say like a team like uh sorry the region like lpl where they just force fights while they're down gold and they're just like out fucking micro people like just mm-hmm. out team fight people and it's crazy uh and i do i do think that there is a lot of like hesitation and you got to play for like spikes and sometimes you've got to like actually just play better <laughs> yeah um yeah, yeah and there, there's that and there's also like sometimes you have to trust yourself to play better yeah because the other thing where like those lpl teams will take the fight down 2k gold mm-hmm. knowing that they will win in their heads and just like no we're gonna take the fight whereas i think a lot of players, period, are just going to say, well, I'm down, you know, two components, or, like, we're behind in gold. We can't fight. And and somebody else is going to say, fuck that. Like, I'm better than you. I'm the best AD yeah. carry in the whole fucking world. Watch me defeat you, even though you have an infinity edge and I don't. Yeah. Like, I'm the fucking greatest. And that's how you be a world champion. Yeah. I think the difference is, like, playing to win versus playing to not lose. Yeah, for sure. You know? So. Yeah. Nicholas says, bring back relegation and provide a path for amateur teams to make it to the pros. Mitchell said, best of threes. Other regions seem to have more games under their belts. That gives more practice, more time on staff, opportunities uh, to experiment compared to other sports where uh, some regions compete better, more consistently, uh, where there are more games play being played in a season. Uh, that being said, I, I think that's one that we talk about a fair bit, but like most of... like practice comes from scrims rather than on stage games i don't think on stage games actually mm-hmm. is like what makes or breaks teams um yeah that's why i've yeah. been and i don't think it's it's not number a bad of games so much as yeah. like playing series yeah right because it's like going to best of threes i i think is a great idea but if you just said have three times as many best of ones yeah. or even like five times as many it's like more games better no no like Playing a full series has value. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge yeah. uh, simp for best of twos because I think like the only downside of best of twos is that if you're a spectator, you get blue balled by like they're not being a winner. Um, but that fucking shouldn't matter for a non-playoff game, in my opinion. I completely agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's fine. Or like just not best of three, just three games. Yeah. It's like hey, even even if you win the first two, you play the third. Yeah. And it goes from like you know a three zero is eight points. But a 2-1 is only like five points. Yeah, team whatever, yeah. Um, Make them all matter. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then from our Discord, Casey Stranger said, the two main things that I can think of are investment in general and building up more strong teams so that players are consistently playing against a very high quality of competition. I think generic, uh, generic, sorry, gener- uh, gener- generically, I was right the first time, good teams like Cloud9 can build habits that work in NALCS but not against international competition. I agree. Armis said, investing in actual server population instead of pulling players from different regions and letting them decay into solo queue. Look at Crown, for example, literal world champion being reduced to, uh, to being benched in favor of pole belter. 
<laughs> and then one from Jazzy who says, "Focus the disparity between regions who constantly win internationally NA in and NA is that we're super lax relatively. These Asian teams in particular are practicing no joke, 14 plus hours a day. They eat, sleep, breathe league at a competitive level. Most of our top players are memeing on Twitch streams. In uh, it's a cultural difference and." Uh, to be the best, you have to train like you wanted. I do think NA players play enough, personally. Uh, to be honest, I, I think most teams like have two, uh, two, six hour, two, three hour scrim blocks minimum a day. Um, so they're playing six to nine hours a day of uh, scrims plus solo queue, which I think I would is agree. Like, I think I think the argument is like they play less, but is I think I think less is enough. You yeah, know, I agree. I mean, like, look so. at yeah. I think I think that, that there's that, and I think that the mindset and way that they approach, mm-hmm. I think that that's a correct like assessment. But I think it it's not quite just the number of hours mm-hmm. they play, but like how they assess their own gameplay and how they interact with coaches or teammates, like, and obviously I'm I'm by no means an expert in any of these cultures, but mm-hmm. like, it seems to me like the you know eastern region players are so much harder on themselves when they don't perform Mm -hmm. to a point where like even you know like they're they're not playing 14 hours a day because their coach said so They're, they're playing 14 hours a day because like they want to become perfect at the game and like i forget i think it was a chinese 80 carry who like was upset after winning the finals yeah. because he didn't play as well as he thought he he should have. Yeah, like they they like won three one and he was like pissed at himself. He's like, <laughs> yeah, I didn't play very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas like there'll be any you know players who fucking go o ten in a game and are like, eh, happens. Yeah. Guess we just lost in draft. Yeah. Unlucky. <laughs> mm-hmm. I agree. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, this week's roundtable question is: What is your favorite change Riot has done to League? Can I answer my favorite change that they're going to do to League? Sure, I think that's fine. <laughs> um, I am very excited for when talents get added to the game. I think uh, I think ta- a talent system would be very good for League of Legends. <laughs> that's something that they haven't announced that they're gonna. I thought it was gonna be something like, oh, that they're they're gonna do. But yeah. I think it's inevitable. <laughs> okay, that's funny. <laughs> I think it's just like it's it's worked out too well in other MOBA games that I think league should be taking a page out of both dota and heroes of the storm like Mm -hmm. to to implement it uh you know i i I like the rune system uh over over the previous rune system i think the i think the last one was hot dog shit and i think this one is a vast upgrade yeah um i think it's good um to like league of legends balance i'd say probably like either taking away dodge or just the general shift away from targeted abilities Mm -hmm. is something i really like um like imagine old warwick alt in the game today how how like Mm -hmm. just fuck that would be um other than that i would say like one of my favorite changes air quotes that riot has done is just like introducing tft slash other games because like i i play tft not legends of runeterra not valorant (laughs) But, like, expanding into other games is, to me, like, the biggest thing that I'm so happy they did. And that, obviously, people were wanting forever and ever and ever. But, like, I generally play more TFT than I do League now. And mm-hmm. them making that 
is huge. Mm-hmm. So, Aiden, what what do you got? What's your answer? Mine's the Elemental Drake system. I think that change was Ooh. fucking. Crazy. I was thinking about that too. Uh, that I, was probably my number three. Like the only like downside, like is all like number stuff, right? Like I think you can get uh soul too early into the game, sort of thing. Like little things like that. But I don't think that's an issue with the actual overall system. I think the overall system is yeah. so fucking cool rather than just killing a dragon mm-hmm. and getting gold, right? Like mm-hmm. it's awesome. I'm so I'm so happy that got introduced into Lit League. Um but yeah, if you want to tell us what your favorite thing Riot has done to League of Legends, you can hit us up on our Facebook or our Twitter at Leakcast. You can send us an email, mailleakcastpodcast.com, or you can come into our Discord and post in our roundtable section. That's uh podcast.com slash Discord. Pog um let's jump into the uh mail fight section first email is from lord of cow time slash mad cow disease uh subject alley top one trick i think it's me hey guys i had some people from alistair reddit say you guys have mentioned in alley top one trick who is low slash high diamond pretty sure i'm the only alley top one trick who fluctuates in that range pretty neat if it's me if you guys want to reach out that would be pretty uh that would be cool i used to listen to you guys on the daily Lord of Cow slash Mad Cow Disease. Pog. Mm-hmm. That's, That's awesome. I, I recognize that name. I, I played, I think, three or four games against him. Really? Uh, we, we, yeah, we were playing solo queue, and I think I was playing Tom Kench at the time. And, like, I think we, we, we played against each other, I think, two games in a row, like, top lane matchup. And then I saw him, like, after one more game, just, like, he was top and I was, like, support or something. But mm-hmm. that's that, that's definitely the name interesting okay cool so shout out shout out it's your boy blue basket <laughs> the guy who played tom kench and won one game and lost one game <laughs> small world we actually um speaking of we had a listener get recognized in yeah, one of so the games funny. uh pard sent a message that so fucking funny. someone in a game recognized his username from the emails of the show and and like Recog- uh, and uh, knew that it was him. Oh, it was pretty cool. That's that's awesome. Was yeah. Like, Wait, are you the guy that emails into Leakcast? Exactly. Exactly. I, I don't think Parge will hate if we like announce the context too. The guy was flaming him. <laughs> yeah. I <guy> was flaming <laughs> him. Cold. Yeah. And then Parge yeah. makes a comment because the guy's flaming it, and Parge goes, "What do you want me to do next, Master?" Or something like condescending like that because the guy's just bossing <laughs> around. And he goes, "Wait, Parge." Pards, you're the guy from Leakcaster. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go go email fucking Aiden and tell him to call me out on it. It's just like so it's just funny. funny. Oh, it's so fucking funny. So fucking funny. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, Thank will... you, Cow Time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next one is from Full Metal Alchemist. Uh, this is from last week. It got I guess caught in one of our spam filters because yeah. thanks Gmail. Uh, spoiler alert from MSI. Maybe you read this after you discuss it. Hey, no spoilers now. Hey, mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm writing this from Sydney after watching the C9 vs. Pentanet GG game. Ooh. GG indeed. What a game. I'm glad to see the Aussie lads get a W on the Rumble stage. After that win, I had to look and thought it was funny which regions the people in the Rumble stage come from. Uh, so this is how many players on the teams come from each region. So six players from OCE, six from Korea, six from Europe, five from China, three from Taiwan, two from NA, one from Turkey, and one from Vietnam. Kind of kind of funny that NA is uh, towards the bottom of that. Uh, anyway, OCE for the win. Flashback uh, a while. Sorry, but I never listened to the podcast while driving. Uh, a while back, you were lamenting that there's only one champion 
with brittle. I was thinking there could be someone in the lore that helped develop the turrets. Being a master craftsman, I think he could have some overlap with Orn and be able to apply brittle to enemies. I was then thinking that an interesting passive could be that this person could go and add one block of turret plating to any turret Ooh. with similar timing to a zero sun disc. Adding the turret plating could save your turret, but it could also provide extra gold to the enemy team. Uh, I don't know about any other abilities. Can you brainstorm some ideas? Keep up the great work. Uh, and when you make it to rank one over an NA, you should come across to OCE for a real challenge. <laughs> Cheers, Full Metal Alchemist. Um, I, so this is tough because, like, on, on the topic of Brittle, to me, like, obviously Orn is the fire guy. Um, but, like, just from a, like, conceptual standpoint, like, I, I think Brittle is something that that should happen either, right, if you get, like, very hot or very cold and i think it would make more sense to put it on more frailyard characters being that like they are in a way like descendants of orn to like let a lot of the ice characters have access to brittle and to me it just makes more sense because there are too many fire characters with no relation that it would be weird Whereas, like, if you gave it to Ash and Braum and Lysandra, like, that would make sense conceptually. Like, Brittle is the Freljord thing. Mm -hmm. I, um, I would agree. And again, like, e either way. Uh, as for your idea of a character that could add turret plating, um, I don't know if plating would be the way to go. Because I think that that, in most cases, would just be a, here, have 160 gold. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, having another interesting interaction with towers, even if it's just, like, heal the tower by a thousand or, like, buff the tower for a little bit, like, is doable. It's tough because that used to exist with Fortify, and there's a reason they took it out. Um, but, like, that, that could be pretty interesting, like being able to actually rebuild a tower or like heal it if it's still up or maybe even having a thing where it's just like if this character is in the game like your towers have 10 percent more hp or like plus 10 armor or something i think the issue with that is sort of the like the issue with torbjorn in overwatch is you don't want a character based solely around turrets because mm -hmm. it's not fun to play against that um and a lot of the character's power, if it lies within the turrets, it's going to feel really weak otherwise. So mm -hmm. either he's I... really strong around turrets and that's not fun to play against, or he's really weak outside of turrets and that's not fun to play as. Yeah. Um, I, I think that if you wanted to go a route of, like, this is the character that made the turrets in league of legend like in in the map mm -hmm. you could do that but you probably would not want them to interact super heavily with the tower like at least the ally towers i could see it maybe of like their ability could damage enemy tower or maybe they have something that like turns off the tower like volibear alt mm -hmm. like I think from an aggressive standpoint, it could be more interesting where it's like, hey, I know how the tower works because I made it, mm -hmm. but uh, it's it's tough. Yeah. 
Thanks for awesome. the email, Full Metal. Next one, you got it, Nick. It's from Lord of Sunlight. Lord of Sunlight here, checking in on the Galaxy Brain Trio. Uh, I probably got this in too late for the 19th show, but no worries. Anyway, I wanted to hit you boys with some great news and pose a question. First, I just found out that I was selected to clerk for a judge this summer, and I'm over the moon. Just as you guys say whenever someone asks how to improve that league, keeping a positive mental attitude is just as important off the rift as it is in game. I'm officially one step closer to being... Uh, to becoming league cast's unofficial legal counsel. Uh, we'll need it for sure. Second, I wanted to ask what you think is the worst skill to max first on a champion that is non-ultimate ability that you that would have the least impact if maxed first out of the champion's primary abilities, considering you put a point into each ability and a point into R whenever possible. For my money, I would say Gangplank W, the orange. You'd lose all your team fighting ability with the loss of Q Max. You have a hard time safely farming creeps, and your barrels would be nothing more than a slow, especially if you, uh, since you'd likely max them last. Anyway, looking forward to the show and your hot takes. Best Lord of Sunlight. Just play AP Gangplank and you max W. I don't think you do though. I think I don't think you do, but you could. I think he's got a point. Like Gangplank W might be the. It's such That's a strong ability, but I think it would be the worst one to max first. I think he's right. Uh, I, I disagree. Which one? Zillion W. Oh, okay. Zillion W, yeah. Yep. <laughs> if you're going to try yeah. and tell me it's not Zillion W, you don't get increased stun duration. You don't get increased damage. Your slow doesn't increase in its percentage. Your speed, like, his W does nothing. It, it's Zillion W. <laughs> We found it. it. The, the answer is Zillion W, yeah. I think. Other than, like... I think I, it's I, Zillion W. Yeah, because, yeah, like, I, I was going to try and say there's... I'm forgetting there's, I think, like, another character or two who literally can't put a point into another ability first. Yeah, Azir. Azir, yeah. Yeah, Azir. But even then, like, on Azir maxing W wouldn't even be that terrible. Mm-hmm. But he made the specific argument that you have to put... One point in every single ability. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's 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 zillion. Thanks, Lord of Sunlight. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry for solving your question. (laughs) Um. Next uh, email from Jeremy. Roundtable response. I know it's a hot take, but I don't think that imports are the biggest issue for NA. Uh, The biggest hurdle we need to overcome as a region is coaching. I think C9 proved even this tournament that our players are mechanically good but are lacking in macro aspects i think that this is also why we see the same teams year after year in the top spots even with new players tsm cloud nine team liquid all have great coaches ps to avoid hate i prefer seeing native talents over imports personally jeremy yeah i mean i agree mean, I I don't disagree. think <laughs> yeah i mean you can't blame it all on coaching mm-hmm. because I think that the the pool of talent is a little bit smaller in NA yeah. than it is in other regions. Um, but at the same time, yeah, coaching is can be a huge portion of it. Not just coaching, yeah. but the the um, kind of behind the scenes beyond coaching, like an mm-hmm. analyst or, or yeah. even a mental health specialist. Uh, even like, even just like a workout coach, you know, could be huge for for players' mentals. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree that I don't think imports is the whole thing. And I, I think that you mentioning macro is, again, is it macro? Yes. Is it micro? Also, yes. Mm-hmm. Like, we're getting out macroed and we're getting out microed and we're getting outdone in a lot of other ways. Like, there, there's a reason that NA is rarely competitive internationally. And again, that, like, 
if you took the top five teams from every region and brought them to Worlds, the round of 16 would be five Korean teams, five Chinese teams, four European teams, like one yeah. LP or one Taiwan team, and one NA team. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're behind. Yeah. Thanks for the email. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Jeremy. Uh, next, the email is from Elliot. Three emails in one. Let's fucking go. Why isn't more jungle played more? I picked it up uh, some in norms, and it's kind of busted. It's pretty fast clearing, and you basically always get your passive up. I found some decent success on it. Number two is C9, the top lane academy. Holy balls, Fudge looked amazing when he was put on carries like Aurelia and Lee Sin. Do you think this cements him as uh, at least in the top three top laners in the LCS? Huge Fudge fan, and I hope C9 can redeem themselves at Worlds. They had a good... They had good games against great teams. Number three, I have to get this off my chest. I'm a weeb. I can't help but start new anime constantly. I'm currently almost done with the Hunter exam arc in Hunter x Hunter. Uh, I also finished the first season of Demon Slayer and waiting for the digital release of the movie. Holy fuck, it's good. Anyway, yeah, I'm officially a weeb now. Thanks for the great podcast, guys. Hardstuck Lissandra, Main Elliot. Uh, P.S. Watching Humanoid shit on that game uh, against PGG as Lissandra made me happy. Elliot. Um, I think more jungle isn't played more because Mord's a little bit weaker right now than other champions. Uh, and then he doesn't have a huge amount of dueling power early in the game, which mm -hmm. is where typically the current meta of junglers wants you to be at. Yeah. You know, if you're not able to fight an Udir early, you're probably not going to be a good jungler. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's that. I think his ganks are pretty shit. Yeah. Uh, I also think that he has a longer cooldown in trade pattern that lends itself much better to, to top lane. Um, right in the jungle, most characters, when they are dueling, have a lot of in and out where it's like, if you miss your E or Q as Mord, you're just kind of fucked. Mm -hmm. But like on a lot of other good junglers, it's like, if you miss the Lee Sin Q, you walk back, wait seven seconds, and it's up. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. like you, and like you're not fighting for that time. You're just positioning, and I don't think Mord has as much of that potential. Where like you miss that Q, but now you're just gonna get beat on by a new deer or a Gragas or a Maokai or like mm -hmm. whatever jungler is popular at the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, is C9 the top lane academy? I mean, probably. I think they're the everything academy at this point. Yeah, I agree. Um, <laughs> Uh, also, Fudge got a lot of lease in, and I'm sure I'm sure it must mm. must be nice to play uh, the best character in the game. Oh, for sure. Um, also, about your anime thing, I have I have a little confession, guys. That uh, we're not gonna Ooh, we're okay. not gonna let outside of this podcast. Okay. Um, okay. I kind of want to watch or read One Piece. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. You mean and the greatest piece of art <laughs> to ever been created? Not art. Um, media. Yeah, media. Um, media. But, sorry, so, the greatest so, piece of media to ever so be created. What I need a listener to do is message me at some point. And so I heard of this thing called One Pace. Um, one Pace is like, so I watched Naruto Kai, right? Which was like the Naruto, all of Naruto, but like all the fillers cut out, all of the fucking garbage cut out, cut into like hour and a half, two hour episodes. And there were 72 of them. I heard One Pace is similar. And I'm I'm not sure if that's true. And if someone has watched One Piece, uh, I'll watch One Piece. But if it's if it's kind of shit, then I'm not gonna watch it. And then I'll, I might read it still though, because it is something that I it would be kind of cool. I heard it's like one of the fucking craziest. I mean, just anything that's long running is gotta feel good to like see come to an end at some point, right? Yeah. And I want to mm -hmm. be there. For and that. there's <laughs> yeah, and there's 
there's certain things that you just can only really do in long long form but like when you when you message me if it's ever like somewhere publicly like use a different like code let's just say like just say it's um What's something cool that what's two pieces? No, 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 no. Singular item. No, we're just gonna use a different name of a show. Just say um Grey's okay. Anatomy. <laughs> yeah, say Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Whenever you whenever you like talk to me at one one at one piece, uh somewhere like online in the Discord server, just say, ask me about like Grey's Anatomy. It'd be like, Oh yeah, I, I watched the like uh the the faster paced version of Grey's At- Grey's Anatomy. I would recommend it. Or I'd recommend reading the monk <laughs> for Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> My favorite, my favorite character in Grey's Anatomy is fucking Chopper. Yeah, but um, I don't know. It's something that I would consider. Uh, it does look long as fuck still, because I mean, it's a fucking long as shit thing. But I do think it would be more consumable in this like kind of Naruto Kai esque format. So yeah, for sure. Cool. So awesome. Yeah, let let me know about Grey's Anatomy at some point, guys. I appreciate it. Yo, and also glad to see uh, Lissandra get some picks. Cool. Next email here from Dippy. Subject, more assist credit, please. The 10-second assist timer feels so bad, you can deal 99% of an enemy's health, and they walk away a bit, start to recall, and die to the Jinx rocket 11 seconds after you damage them, and you get nothing. Assist timers should be proportional to what you did. Furthermore, I'm going to get controversial. I should not need to affect an enemy directly to receive an assist. Let's say I'm getting tower dove, and for seven seconds I evade death as my assailant slowly dies to the tower. I should get assist gold from my opponent's execute because I'm the reason they took 1500 tower damage. Yes, I propose that no one get kill credits, but I get assist credit. Further still, if you cause an enemy to expend flash and uh, a dash, to avoid my onslaught, only so they can die to my ally who took advantage of them being down on cooldown, I should get an assist because without me, my ally couldn't have done it. Not all work you put in to get a kill is damage, CC, or heals, and you deserve to be rewarded for your valor. Now, you might say it's impossible to quantify some of these things to work in an algorithm, but what if I told you the algorithm already knows? Yes, my old one trick. My beloved Vigar already has this going for him. If you begin to spawn a cage around an enemy and they die, Vigar will get assist credit. Being in the cage counts as CC. If the summoning animation for a cage is enough to cause an enemy to play differently and earn Vigar an assist, then everything I've described today should also be enough for an assist. I apologize for the length of the email, but I do not apologize for demanding my hard-earned wage and glory. Dippy. Um... I, I mean, I would need a, a like some video proof of that. I don't think mm-hmm. that Vigar being around the Vi or being in the Vigar cage, and Vigar doesn't do any CC or deal any damage at all would grant you a CC. I don't think uh, it does. But we get. To, I'm uh, not th- sure. We'll test it at some point. Even mm-hmm. if it does, though, I think that that's a much more measurable thing than a lot of other scenarios which like again is the biggest issue is that it's very very hard to quantify these things and so like any of these examples that you've given i can much more easily say like pick out a scenario where you shouldn't get the assist so it's like you're you're getting tower dough for seven seconds and i evade my death as as he like gets it okay what if i'm afk under tower and they tried to dive me and they just died i i earned that assist 
I was under tower and they died. Like I was literally AFK. I didn't earn that assist. And you could say, okay, well you need to be moving, but like there's so many other factors there that again, like, yes, you could have baited them, but I think it's easier to just say like, sorry, you had to have hit them to have it count. Uh, like if I cause an enemy to expend flash or a dash, it's like, okay, but people waste flash all the time, like, or they miss it. Or like, if I am using an ability and you also use an ability, which one of us burned the flash? Mm-hmm. Like, come mm-hmm. on. Yeah. There's, there's just so many things and, and I get it. And I wish it was a little smarter and, and rewarded a little more, but it's just really, really hard to quantify those things. Yep. Um, and I, I think if it's too difficult to quantify, then it shouldn't count. Mm-hmm. So, un- unlucky, <laughs> I guess. Um, thanks, Dippy. Next email is from Max. Highly cast team. I have been really enjoying your podcast over the last few months, and I'd like to think that you are part of the reason why I finally made it out of silver. We're the um, entire reason. Yeah, None the, of your work meant reason. anything. <laughs> I'm mostly playing Yone, Yasuo, and Katarina. However, my Yone win rate is 65%. Um, of 65% is so much better than that of Katarina, 50%. And I was thinking about why that is the case. As I've Yone's spent okay. more time actually learning Katarina with guides or watching high low streamers, whereas I haven't done much uh, research on Yone. After watching some replays, I noticed that my game-winning moments with Yone are those where I managed to engage on the enemy backline with my ult or NATO and pretty much one-shot them. For me, the easiest way to win a teamfight is by finding a good engage, and I seem to lose a lot of matches where my team sits back and gives the enemy team the opportunity to engage. But with Katarina, engaging is actually pretty pointless, as she's best at just finishing off opponents, so whenever I play solo queue with her, it feels like I'm so reliant on my teammates. What is your opinion on this topic, and do you think that champions that have good engage are better in solo queue best max? Um, So I think answering your last question first will be good for answers going forward. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> I think uh, mm-hmm. any champion who can force a fight is going to be better in solo queue than they would be in a in almost any other environment. Um, and just with very clear patterns, because again, yeah, there's, there's a lack of communication. It, it can slow things down. Like Malphite ult, right? Is the is the the furthest tier of this where it is the go button. Malphite presses R, the team fight starts, mm-hmm. and nobody has any question when the Malphite ults into the enemy team that he's trying to start a fight. Yeah. Whereas, like, let's say LeBlanc W's in, is she gonna immediately W back? Like, is she gonna do a weird flash combo? Like, is she gonna immediately hourglass? Clear, hard engage is good in solo queue, and I think it's also, as a player, it puts the burden on you to make the play and if you are better than the elo that you are in lets you climb a lot faster Mm -hmm. yeah um so i personally i really like engaging team fights i think that's one of my best like assets as a player is seeing opportunities to start good fights i think that a lot of times in solo queue i don't get the follow-up and also a lot of times i see what i think is a good fight and i'm wrong um, but I, I, I am someone who loves engaging fights, yep. mm-hmm. like flashing Same. in with the Alistar combo, trying to get the sick Orioles, like, mm-hmm. Same that. here. Uh, I'd also like to look at your sample size for these games because 50% and 65% isn't, if you've got a hundred games on each, like that's pretty yeah. impressive. But if you've got 35 games on both champs, I, I don't really, yeah. 
It can That's not really a big mm. enough sample size to to mean anything. Like Nick had a also just Yone's OP. Nick had a hundred percent in seventeen games on Leona, right? Yeah, or ninety five. That doesn't or mean like, Leona's a yeah. Yeah, that doesn't mean Leona's the god tier support, like literally unlosable. You know, it also doesn't mean it's his best support. Like I would say, it's probably his best support. But like I don't know, he plays fifty more games of it. It's probably closer to sixty percent, uh, which is probably in line with a, a lot of a, a lot of Nick's other characters. I guess is what I mean. Yeah, I mean my Anivia is at a sixty percent. Yeah. But you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that she's a sixty percent win rate character, you know. Um but yeah. Anyway, keep it up. Yeah. Uh next email here from Arrivaberchi. Subject, Rise Rework. Hello boys, long time listener, first time emailer. I was listening in on the Rune Prison episode last week, and you guys really piqued my interest. When I first started playing League in season three, with my friends after high school, I played Rise because my friends said he was a good beginner champ because he was 450 IP. It was not until season something that I decided maybe in order to climb, I should have a main and hop back onto my blue boy. I climbed to gold and was winning 30 LP a game, but I was on my crappy dorm Wi-Fi that made me disconnect from games and I ran out of time by the end of season for that platinum push. Into the rework, passive. Tyrus's Apprentice. Is is that actually a thing? I've never heard the name Tyrus. <laughs> Neither. Uh, all legendary items have 300 mana. After Rise exceeds 3,500 total mana, he can place a rune in two of his abilities. Q, Overload, works the same as it does currently. Rune Upgrade gains a 200 plus 0.3 AP shield. I'm not going to read the numbers to the rest of them, but mm-hmm. gains a... Uh, bonus health shield lasting two seconds every time he queues. If the shield is broken, heal for the shield's amount over three seconds. Uh, w Rune Prison works the same as it does currently. The rune upgrade the uh, would make the rune prison explode when it runs out, dealing additional damage uh, and even more damage if it was cast on a fluxed target. Um, magic damage is in an area and slows the target as well as enemies that are nearby. Uh, spell flux works the same as it does. The rune upgrade gives him bonus move speed after casting two consecutive abilities. R, cataclysm. There's already an ability called that. You gotta change it, man. <laughs> uh, Yeah. Uh, Rise calls upon the world runes in an area, causing an explosion that pulses outward uh, from the center three times. The center is the size of Gangplank's true damage alt and deals a bunch of damage with a mana scaling true damage. The next ring is a little wider and deals uh, less damage. And the final ring even larger with a smaller amount of damage. Uh, after Cataclysm ends, the ground where it was casted burns enemies for a percentage of their max health every second until they leave the Cataclysm zone. Rise always says Cataclysm while walking around the map, so it seems fitting his ultimate <laughs> is a Cataclysm. Uh, the idea of my Rise rework is to give him more of an identity as a mana mage that makes you feel like a real threat to scale into, whereas now he kind of doesn't feel like a champion at all. So scaling off of mana more and making his kit upgrade on his mana levels for utility or damage or both would make him more dynamic. Having such a large mana requirement would also make it uh, be met around the three item mark when tier is finished stacking and the it's fully evolved. Obviously, I'm not a champion designer, so the numbers would be adjusted, but they seem pretty fair to me. 
His alt being uh, high seemed balanced due to the fact that his regular kit hardly changes and he doesn't get his upgrades until he hits his 3M spike, making him a scaling champion like Victor Kale. Anyway, sorry for all of the using all the characters permitted on the email <laughs> and let me know what you think of my Rise final rework. Yes, my name is a JoJo reference. Hell yeah. Um, I think this is going in a fun direction and I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be, I, I think that idea of like him calling on the world rune and like torching an area with rune magic would be sick. And I think like the, the what is it like? There, there's like a rune magic scorched place in Ruterra. Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> Christ, that's but some I'm virgin shit. Sorry if you know it. Fuck you. It's not Kamungo uh, Jungle, so I don't fucking know. Yeah, it's, <laughs> shut up. Um, but no, I, I like the idea of like his items giving extra mana. Or again, just like him having like this weird, unique mana scaling. That's that's where I'd want to see Rise move. Is again like make him the mana mage. I really like the idea of like ability power just gets converted into ability haste, and all of his abilities are based on his mana, or, or something along those lines. Either that or like AP converts directly to mana, <laughs> and everything is just based on mana. Like just just make him the fucking mana mage. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Hell yeah. Sweet. Thank you, Ariva Ar- Derchi, I assume. No, Ariva Bear. Mm, okay. B. That's not what it's supposed to be, though, right? <laughs> Interesting. Uh, anyway, next email is from Simon. Our last email is from Simon. Uh, first of all, this is Simon, the Swedish one. Sorry. Uh, second of all, sorry for not sending an email to you guys in a while. I've been busy collecting data for this ultimate off meta guide. First thing you need to know is that river Shen is not a role. Is it not a role? It's not a character. It's a lifestyle. Do you want to learn the ways of the river? You come to the right place. Ruins, predator, sudden impact, eyeball collection, and relentless hunter for your for your main tree. For your secondary runes, you want to go water walking celerity for maximum speed. For items, you start boots in four pots. You go Frostfire or Chem Tank. I'll get into that later. Mobility boots, Deadman's Plate, Titanic Hydra, Wits End if your team needs more damage, Thornmail for anti-heal, Randuins if they've got a lot of crit, Gargoyle, Spirit Visage, or Force of Nature for your magic resist options. How to River Shin. First, there, there are some rules that you have to follow. You are only allowed to be in the river. You cannot take camps or minions, only scuttle. You can only leave the river to go to the other river or to help your teammates, team fighting or ganking. And last but not least, you can only communicate with these words, River Shen. Now that you're doing all of this, you're probably wondering, how the fuck can I be useful? Wait, well, let me tell you, you gank a lot. Camp six lanes at once. Since there are no camps to take and no waves to clear, you're free to go and gank anywhere you want. That's the reason you need Predator, and yes, it's a must. I'm an expert. All of this information has been passed down from my great, 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 great Viking grandfather. His name was Josh, if you're wondering. Anyways, back to the guide. Start with your E for maximum level one efficiency. Take Ignite and Exhaust for easy first blood. I recommend ganking top level one. Return to the river whenever the outcome, uh, whatever the outcome, and wait for another opportunity to gank or wait for scuttle. Since scuttle is your only form of experience, you need to secure both. If your teammates are nice, they'll help you by warding the river. But if all of them are toxic shits, you're going to have to do it all by yourself. Take top scuttle before bot scuttle since most junglers start with their bot laners. This means that they're going to clear from the bottom and up. Uh, and that means that they're gonna probably going to be at top scuttle first. One good thing about River Shen is that he is actually... He's really good in 2v2s or 3v3s, so try to force a big fight in the river. This is why uh, why you need 
or what you need water walking rune for. Uh, if you get low, you can always just run away, and with celerity in your boots, you're almost guaranteed to run away, unless they have a dash or CC. Repeat these things until your dumbass teammates get so fed that they don't need brain cells to play the game anymore. What about you? Your real purpose is to, quote, pass on the torch. You've carried them this far. Now it's their turn. If the enemy team makes it to the late game, you just have to hope that your team can carry you. And I have to say that this is actually pretty effective. It works surprisingly well. You would think that it's super dumb, but if you have a good team comp and a hyper carry, it's likely that your team just wins. I have pretty good uh, win rates with this build and play style so far, but I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> the learning process is not easy, but once you get it down, you're going to feel like an off-meta god. Once again, sorry for not sending any emails in a long time, and thank you for being awesome, Simon. River Shen, have you guys tried River Shen before? No. I've played Jungle Shen, but not River Shen. I've also River played Jungle Shen, Shen but not yeah. River Shen, yeah. I don't... I had ridiculous Jungle Shen stats in Season 2. <laughs> I feel like the um, the reduced experience for kills uh, would really, really harm this, this play style. I fail to see how you're going to get any levels whatsoever. But that's okay. You just you just soak waves from mid while in the river. Yeah, I, mm, I definitely okay. re Interesting. recommend watching the River Shen video, like the the older River Shen video. I think it's a I don't know who it's by, but if you just Google River Shen, like there's a history yeah. of River Shen, uh, which is a good video. Would recommend mm -hmm. it. Definitely, definitely. Awesome. Um, so that's gonna do it for the show. We we have a lot of emails left. Um, but it's pretty late, and we've been recording for two hours already. Uh, so we are going to call it here. If we didn't get you to your email this week, don't worry. We're going to get to it next week. You'll be first in line. Um, and, you know, sincerely apologize that we couldn't get it, get to it this week. Yeah. Um, that being said, thank you guys for listening to this episode of LeeCast. If you want to send us an email, you can send it to mail at leecastpodcast.com. Uh, check us out on Twitch, twitch.tv slash bluebasket and slash leecastfrost are where we stream. Tweet at us at leecast on Facebook. We are leecast. Visit our website, leecastpodcast.com. Visit our, or join our Discord, leecastpodcast.com forward slash Discord. And finally, support us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash leecast. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week for episode 485. Goodbye. Bye. Arriva Berchi.